0: This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.
1: And good morning again, this is Mick Mulcahy and Neil Prandeville returning on Monday morning. Boris Johnson making uh, not much uh, headlines actually in the Red Tops, but uh, is all over uh, the larger more editorial papers. Johnson in crisis as allies quit over groping affair. Uh, David Hughes and Daniel McConnell, in fact Daniel McConnell has uh, another piece uh, on page four of the Examiner. But British Prime Minister Boris Johnson facing the biggest crisis of his premiership after two leading ministers resigned last night within minutes of each other. High profile supporter Rishi Sunak quit as chancellor and Sajid Javid resigned as health secretary his handling over uh, of a row over a scandal hit former deputy chief whip Chris Pincher Uh, became the latest issue to cast doubt on his judgment and ultimately on his leadership. The government's understood to be watching closely as Mr Johnson's actions in relation to Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol have soured relations here uh, between the two governments to the worst extent in 30 years. A humiliating apology from Mr Johnson could not prevent the departure of two senior ministers and potential leadership rivals. Let's jump to page four. Where Johnson's days appear numbered, says Daniel McConnell, and the Irish government will be happy to see him go. In normal times, uh, for normal prime ministers, a double resignation from two of the most senior ministers in government would be enough to trigger their downfall. Boris Johnson is not normal. He is a liar, a cad, and a serial cheat, says Daniel McConnell on page four the Examiner. Despite countless scandals, gaffes, and outrageous U-turns from Johnson, he has managed to survive defying logic and precedent. And many have pointed out that he's clung to power even since 41% of MPs voted against him less than a month ago. Uh, that may have gone another way, uh, in my personal opinion, if the uh, the big power broker money agents behind the Conservative Party had said, keep him or you lose our funding. That may not be uh, enough to save him now. Uh, equally, it's been noted that he and his cronies like Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, had called for his predecessor Theresa May to resign, even when she won a motion of confidence by a much greater margin. Since he became British Prime Minister, his personal style and demeanour has been in question and his authority over his party and the country he leads has been diminishing. For a short while yesterday evening, the double resignation of Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid in quick succession made it clear, that, or at least it seemed to be the end of Boris Johnson, but both their resignations spoke of the importance of honesty and integrity in high office and made clear they could no longer stomach Johnson's lack of either attribute. Check it all out, uh, front and page four of the examiner this morning. The echo front page has school cost concern. St. Vincent de Paul sent there's a man for help which is frightening. Back to school costs combined with rising utility and fuel bills have put Cork families ...under severe pressure, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul's... Uh, ...southwest regional coordinator has said. "Jerry Garvey described the demand for help as frightening... ...with calls already coming from people worried about the rise... ...in the price of school uniforms and books. People are really concerned about where they're going to get money from... ...to manage the back-to-school costs. We're finding utility bills is the single biggest item of concern. Uh, His comments come as the government last night announced that the back-to-school allowance is to increase by €100 per child as part of a €67 million package to help with the cost of living crisis and I read elsewhere in the papers that that will land in the respective parents accounts next week. A little early but uh, use it. Uh, if it gets uh, the worry out of the way uh, then it's going to be more than welcome. The means tested back to school clothing and footwear allowance of 160 euros is available to children aged 4 to 11 years old on September 30th. Families will receive the normal payment next week with the additional €100 at the end of July or the start of August. So if you're entitled to it, 160 next week uh, and at the end of July stroke start of August, the additional gift from the government of €100. But the demands for St Vincent de Paul supports from all levels uh, are unprecedented. Um, Continued from page 1, the story uh, on the uh, front of the Echo says that the government announcement was made yesterday by Norma Foley, the Education Minister Heather Humphreys, the Social Protection Minister and Michael McGrath, the Public uh, Expenditure Minister. Indeed we spoke to him at great length yesterday uh, on the programme at this time uh, Ms. Humphreys said the school meals programme would be expanded to include an additional 60,000 children uh, from uh, 310 Desh schools. Uh, Ms. Foley announced the school transport fees would be waived calling it a significant investment affecting all 121,000 children whose families pay those fees and said the package amounted to an an additional €9 a week in families' pockets over the year. Mr McGrath told reporters that it was better to make an intervention now rather than waiting for the budget in late September and rejected suggestions it was a panicked measure from the government, We are in the early days of July, he said. A lot of children have just finished primary school. And that's true. Uh, book lists have been sent out to parents who have already started the process of trying to get uniforms together and they're facing real costs. If you take, for example, the hot meals programme being extended to all Desh schools, uh, we wanted to give them adequate notice. Uh, so, some help. Uh, and very welcome help on the way from uh, the government bags of money needed to send teen to school is the uh, uh, kind of similar story in the Irish Daily Star today. Parents reeling after the cost of sending a child to secondary school hit one thousand five hundred and eighteen euro per child it 's up twenty seven euro uh, in one year, and those with children in primary school will pay one thousand one hundred and ninety five compared to one thousand one hundred and eighty six last year. And that's sparking fears that parents will sink into debt, leaving them vulnerable to illegal money lenders. Check that out in the Star today. Now, let's go over to the Mail. Uh, and their front page says, retired and still renting. The likelihood of ever owning a home to drastically decline, leaving future pensioners condemned to pay rent forever. Home ownership will drastically decline in the coming years and could lead to a poverty crisis among pensioners new research has found. This is a study by the ESRI and estimates that just 65% of those aged 35 to 44 right now are likely to be homeowners by retirement compared to 90% of those currently over 65 This means a third of pensioners will have to continue paying rent into retirement uh, as the uh, hope of getting on the uh, bottom rung even of uh, the latter uh, evades most people now. Most young people anyway, trying desperately to save. But builders' profits are soaring uh, despite the cost fear. Irish housebuilder Karen Holmes saw profits and revenues soar in the first months to June, uh, six months to June thirtieth. Uh, despite concerns about rising costs, the group forecast. Total bill cost inflation for 2022 to be higher at about 6 to 7%. And that's exacerbated by rising materials and labor prices. Home builders across Europe have been facing higher costs, particularly for key materials such as steel and timber, uh, since the start of the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine crisis earlier this year. But uh, Karen Homes' profits have soared despite rising costs. A mom has been jailed over a newborn baby she left in a bin to die. She's 23. She must live with her actions, uh, that's a quote, uh, and ordered to serve three months. A woman jailed for three months for the manslaughter and neglect of her newborn baby she dumped in a bin after giving birth. In sentencing Ka- uh, Caitlin Corcoran, uh, 23 years of age, uh, Justice Eugene O'Kelly said uh, her daughter was left to die by the one and only person who knew of her birth. He said, uh, he added, she has to live with these consequences for the rest of her life, Judge O'Kelly told Waterford Circuit Criminal Court her actions went against the natural instincts uh, instincts of any parents, but there was little risk of her reoffending. He said Corcoran was very young at 19 when the incident happened, and added a baby girl was born healthy, with her long and happy life ahead of her. The judge said Corcoran of Castleblaney and Mullinavat in County Kilkenny benefited from a favourable probation report, but had a complex psychological profile, leaving him to ask, Does society benefit? ...from her serving the full three-year sentence. Um, Is it three months or three years? It's three months in the headline, three years in the narrative, so I don't know. Uh, The court heard she concealed her pregnancy and tampered with tests to avoid her family finding out. Uh, In her letter to the court, Corcoran said, I was in such a state of denial that night. I live with the consequences every day and will for as long as I live. I deeply regret what happened in sentencing... The judge said he was not considering the concealing of the pregnancy an aggravating factor. Instead, he focused on the 13 minutes Corcoran spent inside the toilet cubicle at Caredoc after presenting with severe back pain and constipation. The court heard she saw blood gushing between her legs before seeing the baby's feet. Uh, Corcoran went into the toilet and gave birth to a baby girl and placed the infant in a bin. She returned to the doctor's room but said nothing about the baby. They didn't spot it. Uh, A search of the medical centre found the body in a bin a number of hours after the girl was born. And Justice O'Kelly said she was asked uh, what she did before placing the baby in the bin. And Corcoran said she held the newborn uh, in her hand and saw how beautiful she was. Corcoran then told Gardy, I just can't stop reading this story. I was looking for movement. I wanted her to cry. The woman was found guilty by unanimous verdict of a jury, by a jury, last October and the baby was named Sophie Elizabeth by Corcoran after her death. (laughs) Justice O'Kelly noted defence submissions that Corcoran's past two weeks spent in prison after bail uh, was revoked had a profound effect on her. She was in isolation due to safety concerns. How sad a story can you come across. Airport losing 500 bags a day, reports yesterday. A lovely story, uh, a a nice happy end. Well, not a happy end, but uh, uh, family queuing up to go to Greece. Sent home, no flight, no flight. Children distraught, got a taxi, taxi refused to charge them, they were so upset. Uh, So a big-hearted taxi man in Dublin is making the papers today. But the airport apparently are losing 500 bags a day. There's missing luggage, uh, and it's up 900% as barcode barcode readers buckle under the pressure. Uh, more than 500 bags a day are being lost at Dublin Airport with mounting problems causing the normal level of loss to increase by 900%. Many, many people going on holidays now having checked in bags into the hold, not bothering and just going with whatever uh, carry-on luggage their ticket allows them to bring. Angry passengers waiting hours for luggage and it's spiraling out of control with barcode readers not working, travel experts say. It's the Anna Saribalis for uh, Dublin Airport and uh, with today being the first day the army's on standby at the airport exhausted workers say they're doing everything they can but claim that luggage mountains build up again as soon as they are cleared passengers complain it's a nightmare and means tourists suffer holiday hell in Ireland with hotels dealing with daily deliveries of delayed bags disrupting golfing holidays and causing chaos to some weddings. The Morning Papers
2: You're listening to the number one talk show in court, The Neil Prendiville Show Mr Vestingcock on Red FM
1: 20 past 9, let's go straight to our phone lines and Louise. Hi Louise
3: uh, Good morning Mick
1: Now, your brother dropped dead um, from a stroke in England at the end of June I'm so sorry to hear that
3: Yeah, my brother died of stroke at, on the 21st of June, and which was two weeks ago on, on the Tuesday. Only
1: two weeks ago. It must be very raw for you, is it?
3: Yes, yes at the moment. Um on the twenty third of 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 the of the June myself I got up in the morning feeling unwell. And um I was you know, I went to the bathroom and spewed up and in in that was blood. No, I didn't panic first because it was only a small bit. But as time went on it was happening throughout the day. I thought it was my my teeth, or that might be some with my gums or whatever. Or oh, the stress and of the I grief. I of my mouth was yeah.
1: You must have been dealing with a whole lot right. mentally, and uh, um, less than a day after your brother passed away.
3: I actually thought then that it was you know maybe, maybe some way linked to the stress of that maybe you know, uh-huh. and the hurt of that. But anyway, I got on with things and um, I got on with things, and during the course of the day, I decided I best attend the doctor in the morning. So on the twenty fourth, at the Friday morning, it got up, and it wasn't any better. The same thing was happening. So I thought it might be wise to go to the doctor. Now I have a wonderful doctor here in Ballincollig, uh, by the name of Maria Hogan, and they're above in the in the the link road there in Ballincollig. You know, okay. and in the, cent- the medical centre there, she is absolutely wonderful, and I attended her. Um, she saw me, and when I told her what was happening, she decided. That she, I needed to have, have an investigation done. So I was sent to the Matter Hospital for a CT scan, which was arranged for me at three o'clock. Now I'm not a private patient any longer because when the government brought in the tax on houses, I no longer could afford to pay the private, the private health. So I had to. So, why, so why were
1: you sent to the, the Matter? To was it the CO, it? Was it the CUH?
3: They, they know the Matter Hospital because they offered to do the CT okay. scan immediately. They were the only ones available to do it straight away because they felt it was an emergency.
1: Did they suspect then that you might you might have, have a clot have or something?
3: At at that time, I don't. they, they did know what to think? But I don't know. But my doctor hadn't informed me about a clot at
1: all. Well, what, was it enough blood, it, Louise, it to, to be alarming? Was it flex of blood, or was it was uh, it highly well, concentrated? Yes,
3: I'll be, Yes, yes it was. It was was enough that it needed investigation Okay. and my doctor felt that it needed investigation. So I went along and I had wonderful, absolute wonderful treatment in the matter hospital. They saw me uh, at 3 o'clock. I was brought forward and put into the CT. They explained to me what would happen in the machine, you know, and what to expect. And I went in, and everything went grand. I came out, and they left me wait for a while, and I was left to go home. I arrived home at half past five, feeling good because I knew I was going to be getting the results. You know that I would be hearing from my doctor.
1: And and and, and amidst all, the, all amidst all the stress and the grief of losing your brother, you you, you you interacted very efficiently with 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 the medical system as as you used it with the Matter Hospital, uh, getting you in and out very quickly, explaining how. CT scans can be a little overwhelming and claustrophobic uh, being sent on your way and uh, happy that the results were, were coming back to you pretty soon.
3: I, I And I felt very much looked after. And that, I suppose, was the important thing, you know. That's a rarity in, a, in a, today's
1: a, health service, isn't it?
3: Oh, God, tell me. Well, this is the follow-on is going to tell you what, what a difference it is. Anyway, at quarter to eight that night, I was sitting down to relax and watch a bit of television for myself and glad that that part of my team was done and over with thinking and I got a phone call from my doctor to say that the matter hospital had been touched and on reflection of looking at the results of tests that could I get myself immediately to the Cork University Hospital because whilst the tests came back all okay it didn't rule out the fact that blood could be coming the blood was coming from somewhere, and they suspected a plot. Okay. That's what they told me. Now, I, d- I don't actually know in the moments what happened to me. I do remember saying to the doctor, can I go Monday? And she said, no, this is very serious. You need to go straight away. So I think that kind of, you know, made me perk up. I got dressed, went, of, got a taxi, straight into the University Hospital, And I was told that my information was given in to the hospital, and they would have all the details in front of
4: them. I
3: arrived at the hospital at half past eight. I arrived at the hospital, uh, the reception area, and I met this man. This fellow behind the counter said to me, um, name, I told him, and I said, look, um, I've been sent here by... My doctor and the master of hospital. I have no information here. At all in front of me, he said, and there was a second computer. There was a second guy on it, and he tripped in, he said, "It's coming up here in front of me on the screen." Okay. I so told him that there was a suspected um, clot. I was told to take a seat, which I didn't. Thought that was natural, and there was quite a few other people in front of me waiting on the seats. Twenty minutes later, I was called to into a room um a cubicle where where um, a nurse took my blood pressure and took bloods and told me i asked her what was my blood pressure because i was having problems with that prior to this you know Uh and she said no it was grand and that a doctor would be with me but i'd be waiting a while i was told to go back and sit outside where i was sitting before
1: all is still good so everything's moving along nicely uh, the receptionist has the yeah, fact that I there's felt, a possible you know, clot, and were you've been saying. after
3: me. Yeah. And you know that the nurse was very nice, and you know I had nothing to complain on that score. I went back out and I sat down.
1: So how long was the while? I was
3: left quarter to one in the morning. I was still sitting on that chair. Quarter to one. Everybody else was gone, and I was still sitting on that chair. Now I had got up a couple of times to walk up and down to take the stiffness out of my bones because they were very uncomfortable chairs, you know? Anyway, uh-huh. it was like a cinema except hard chairs. That's the area I was sitting in. Some guy passed, saw me, and said, oh, love, you better come with me. And he brought me down a bit of a corridor and through a door and brought me and said, sit there. I was sitting on another chair. It was a bit softer than the previous one, but I was sitting there. I was sitting right across from the toilets which I was grateful for because I did have to do a runner every now and then uh-huh. spew up in the toilet. You were still
1: getting sick were you?
3: I was still at that point I it was like flame, it was blood there was blood in it do you know what I mean?
1: So, so sort of bloody no, tissue? it
3: was a very it was I, I, you know I myself if I was to describe it because I'm not a medical person would have thought had I cut myself in somewhere was there a cut in my throat somewhere you know, to just felt yeah. like filling up and then I'd spew up. But I did a few a few run ins which was very convenient for me because people were good enough to stop and let me run in. Because I wasn't going in to go to the toilet,
1: I was going in to spew up blood. Okay, so what time of the you morning see. is this now? So Where are we at time wise?
3: No, it was quarter to this was a quarter to one in the morning when I was put onto the second chair. Okay. Now, I saw nobody. I was still there. At 20 past four in the morning, in the early hours of the morning, I was still there. The hospital were fierce, fierce busy. I never saw that nurse again, but I did see other people in the hospital that there was, I was in, you were like cubicles, you know, there was glass panel around you. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So like a phone booth, that's the only way, with no door. That's mm-hmm. the way I could describe it, and I looked around the corner, got up, and looked around the corner, and there was quite a few people waiting, all very uncomfortably trying to make themselves comfortable on a chair. So,
1: are you still and in I the waiting room area now, or have you gone through the uh, protected doors and into the I actual any? I got A&E. through
3: a door and into the This is where I thought, I'd, yeah, I thought I was going to be looked after there. That that's where I was being, you know, looked after. Um, I was around the corner and there was other people around the corner. And there was a bigger area and there was more people over there, all sitting very uncomfortably. And this was going into the early hours of the morning. I saw a trolley with a fellow coming in putting blankets up on it. I got up to get a blanket because starting to get shivery. I took a blanket for myself and offered one to other people and said, look, there's blankets there. Do anybody need them? So people took some blankets and put them over them. Now, the lights were very high in the, you know, the lights in the hospital are very strong.
1: Yeah, so but they they, they normally dim them at about 11, 11, p.m., don't they?
3: Well, I didn't see no, where I was sitting, I had in full glare because I was right across from where all the action was going on.
5: So now, you couldn't I, sleep? I
3: thought maybe to move from there. I couldn't just sleep. Nobody slept. I think there was one fella lying to, lied himself out somewhere and he fell asleep across two chairs. But that was it.
1: And was You're there, the LCB, was there family call. members coming in, Louise, to um to help you or bring you a cup of coffee or see how you were or anything like that? No, or did you I, even tell them you were in? in?
3: I did. I actually had phone. I did phone my daughter and told her and she called to the hospital to see me but she was allowed to see me only while I was out in the waiting area, you know, the administration area. You know, when you come in first, she was only able to see me. She wasn't able to come into that room but I was able to go to her and talk to her and she gave me a hug and all that. And, um, that, that was grand. And um, Anyway, I, I stayed inside in the back place then where you, you you felt you were going to be attended there. You were now in this position where they were going to be looking out for you. Um, I saw no nurse. The nurse never came back to me at all. They were extremely busy and it was no fault of the people working there. They were overwhelmed with work. There was people coming in all the time. They were running around too, trying to help everybody. There was actually cubicles. I could see people's legs sticking out of the cubicles where they were actually lying down. There was no dignity in what I saw. No dignity whatsoever. You had people lying down there and nurses trying to attend to them. I don't know if there was doctors there because of the fact that I couldn't identify who was a doctor and who was an orderly or whatever way they work.
1: I yeah, they're all in different colour scrubs, aren't they? Identify. Yeah. Yeah, all in all
3: different colour
1: working scrubs. On them. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: yeah. So I wasn't able to identify who was who. Anyway, at 20 past, a uh, couple of people came and talked, spoke with me of the pa- other patients. Did you get a cup of tea? And they told me that I got no cup of tea. I asked for water and I was told, did the nurse say you could have water? And I said no Well, I didn't think to ask the nurse would I be allowed water and so I was still there at 20 past 4 in the morning without even a glass of water. Um, Patients in between that I saw elderly people. There was a a man and he was very frail looking now. He was in his 80s. He was sitting on that hard chair and he was trying to get himself up and he was obviously very upset and distressed. And that upset me looking at him like that. Um, he he told me that he was trying to phone home and going to get someone to try and collect him because he couldn't take any more.
1: Okay, Louise, will, will you will you will you ta- take 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 a breath and relax, and I'll be back to you in in just under a couple of minutes. Okay.
2: Okay.
3: Yes, okay.
1: No okay no thank problem.
2: you. Cheers. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six Red FM.
1: Can't believe I'm coming up on my free uh, third Free Food Friday this Friday. Uh, where does the time go? Quick uh, clarification, uh, thanks, Ginny. By text, uh, the judge gave that girl three years and three months and suspended the three years for the man for the manslaughter of her baby girl. That wasn't clear from the article I was reading. Where uh, the headline said three months and the. Uh, the narrative said three years, but what it is actually uh, is the sentence was three years and three months and uh, suspended of three years thinking it would do uh, society not much good. And that was for the manslaughter of that baby girl. Now we're coming back to Louise, who's been waiting quite a while, uh, not here for me to talk to her, but in the hospital. Uh, I have to ask the overriding question. You're, you're there. You're describing the situation very well, Louise. Uh, you're there since half eight in the evening. When did you get seen? I didn't get seen
3: until quarter to three on the following Saturday. On the Saturday. So I went in at half a stage to the hospital on the Friday evening and I didn't see a doctor until 20 to three, quarter to three on the the Saturday. I went in on the Friday and I was seen at 20 to three on the Saturday.
1: You could have been home in bed, but your doctor said that was too dangerous. You could have been home in bed.
3: Well, the thing was, Um, The thing was that um, I I presumed that they, you know, I was kept there because I needed to be seen by the doctor. But there was a terrible lack of information. Nobody was informed that they weren't going to be left home. Nobody was told how long they were going to be left waiting. And nobody knew anything that was happening or taking place. We weren't even aware whether there was doctors on the scene. And I think it was the lack of information that caused an awful lot of upset to people. When um, I don't know whether he said this guy came to see me. He was a nice young man. I think he was maybe a male a male nurse and took my blood pressure at twenty past four and and um, and took my blood pressure and took and, and took bloods and he said you'll be seen by a doctor later on. He didn't say oh, later on or whatever. I guess he I didn't know.
1: Time. I guess he couldn't say. And I
3: have. I asked him at that point could I have water and he said certainly and he went away and got it for me as I said he was a nice young man Um, but they couldn't and they couldn't guarantee anything and in all fairness as I can stress enough here is that the nurses nor the doctors are responsible for the way the things went there that night
1: it's more the system
3: the government the organisation and I certainly will put um, full blame on management of a hospital because what i saw and in the period of time i was there i was trying to analyze to keep my mind distracted from things i was trying to analyze how would you approach this as regards to making it more comfortable and um, more to be dealing with human beings rather than just objects because that's the way you aren't treated like a human being you were just left there nobody filled you in on what was happening when it was going to happen or if you were going to be seen or what. At that point, people came to talk to me. People were walking around. They were very stiff. They were sore, very worried about what was going to happen. Um, At 10 o'clock in the morning, anyway, 10 o'clock in the morning, um, we noticed doctors coming in. And we only knew that by the things they had or hanging around their necks. Anyway, um they started coming in around ten o'clock, so we thought at least now there's movement, something's happening now i did I was right across from them, so I can see I could see them going into the cubicles and checking people out in the cubicles. at least I thought something is happening now um, um so they started, and I seen people moved out from the cubicle areas, so this lady came over to me and she said, "I'm heading home. I can't take much more of this." She went to the to the nurse and asked. What, at what time would she be seen and could they tell her where she was at in the number, what number was she now and where in order would she be, to be seen. She was told that the doctors coming on duty now were now going to be dealing with patients that had come in at half past five the previous day and they were now going to be treated first.
1: That's so incredible. I can
3: imagine, that left me way down the scale.
1: The you you, you, you scale can imagine it's only right that they be treated first, but that is that's just of course,
3: incredible. Of course, and of course, to sure, and to think they were waiting since half past five, evening uh, before.
1: And then uh, they a, they a massive trax- traffic accident might happen. Pe- people might be coming in, and in the yes. triage system,
3: It will be people coming in. they would be so seen under first. No circumstances were the doctors to be blamed are nurses in that hospital. So the
1: doctors that came in at 10am eventually got to you at 2.45pm? They got it at
3: 245
1: So you're um, you're there all night long in a chair uh, and and you're waiting yeah. not without worry because you were already told and the receptionist confirmed that the information was coming in that you had a possible clot. Now a clot, I'm not medical, but a clot apparently could be fatal, right?
3: Yes, exactly. And, and on top of that I was trying to figure out what part of me is the clot in? Do you know what I mean? You're I trying know. to think, where is it? You know, I, I was trying to get my mind as far away from that thought as possible and, you know, from what was going on for myself. So I decided to, um, I can be a very practical person.
1: And so all I of this, Louise, was in the 24 them. to 48 hours after the sudden loss yes. by stroke, the sudden death of your brother.
3: Yeah. And, you know, stroke can be caused by blood pressure going up. And I was having a problem with my blood pressure, even though in the hospital it was okay, you know. But that's because I was sitting down. Can you understand?
1: Yes. How how, Uh, how did it all end for you? What what was the diagnosis?
6: uh,
3: the doctor was lovely and came to see me. And he decided when he got to me, he gave me a thorough examination and decided that I needed to have an X-ray, a chest X-ray. I had the chest chest X-ray. and he held on to that for a while, and I had asked a nurse to go after him to get the results of it for me, which I got about a half an hour after that again. That time I found very worrying because okay. I something was wrong. You know, and um, uh, she, she was very nice, and she said, "I've seen you there all night." She said, "You've been extremely patient," and I said, "You know, I just want to get it over with." At that stage, I think I could have cried if I wasn't going to go home.
1: And were you allowed home? Any
3: anymore. Yes, and um, they told me I could. The doctor told me that um, it didn't show up anything, and that is, I asked him, could he explain to me when the blood would stop coming, or would it just stop, it fade out? You know, and he said, possibly. Possibly oh, that they couldn't see what was causing what was causing it.
1: And how long, more were
3: you so, coughing up blood? Um, I came home. It was getting less as the day went on. Um, which had happened the previous day as well, but the minute I'd go into a coughing fit, then I'd know it was starting to fill up again. You know what I mean? It was like it was like as if a container inside me was filling up, and it was trying to spew it out.
6: Or
1: as you said, may- maybe maybe a rupture in your throat or something that's aggravated by the coughing.
3: I thought I thought it could have been maybe a scratch even. That's what I was thinking yeah. in the start. But I knew when it was continuing that it had to be a bit more. Okay. I kind of knew. You know. You know.
1: Things are things are better now.
3: Okay. Um, no. Well, they are. They are better in the sense that I'm getting breaks in between. But because I didn't get lack of breathlessness, that was why they left me home, because I wasn't breathless. Do you know what I mean? Um, like even this morning, how I got up and I had to fish a coffee. And I had to fish a coffee during the night. I didn't have the blood, but the blood could come today in another coffee. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: So are are, so are you I'm happy in any way it. that you've been correctly diagnosed and that you're on the so road to recovery? I, I,
3: I listen. I am telling you, I had so many tests done. That what was done, I was so grateful to get done, and that brought me some form of relief. Yeah, to because
1: no news is good that news. That There's that no class. Yeah.
3: Yes, yes, and I really can't thank that hospital. Uh, you know enough, really, but what they did do, but what my my I think if I'm to attack here, anybody here this morning, it's the government i mean you have the likes of me hall martin and the whole lot of them going out to countries telling over flooding the, the the hospital facilities here over flooding the schools and i know we need to help people but we also need to look at what's going on on the ground look at the nurses and how hard they work in these gowns all night long never stopping look at the poor doctors look what's been loaded in on top of them these are really out-of-touch people. They don't give a damn about the public. They don't give a damn about the Irish people. They need to face facts. I think any Minister for Health, in my opinion, should be put on the floor of the a public hospitals and left to work there for six months without their ties and God knows what. Put a gown on them. And let them walk there and see what really happens. They are so far out of touch with what's going on in life. They are absolutely appalling. All they are doing is want to be remembered in foreign countries, their names, and maybe a plaque built to them. And the negligence to the people here in Ireland is absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. There's Simon Coveney and there's Leo Bradker. What are they doing for the Irish people here? What are they doing to the people
1: that could be dropping dead in the hospitals? Well, to be fair, I I think Simon Coveney is is, is trying to prevent the British government from putting a hard border across the six counties uh, and and is very much engaged in that. Uh, Leo Varadkar, of course, is a a doctor and former Minister for Health, as is Micheál Martin. Nobody seems to be able to fix this system. Uh, The hospitals are bursting to seams and it's in the middle of the summer. Uh, Louise, thank you for giving voice to how stark and uh, how tragic things are. Uh, you know, for the working conditions of those who are doing their best, uh, but most of all for the patients.
3: Could they not not, uh, hire people from the private hospitals to just give them a template of some kind as to how it could be structured properly?
1: Yeah, it's and, and, and for for those who say it's, it's easy for the private hospitals because they, they you know they're well funded, uh, because of the uh, private health insurance etc. There's enough money being there's twenty one billion billion put aside last year for the health service. It's it's just going uh, yes. it, it it's it's going it's to the wrong bad, levels bad of management and, and not yes. to resources and the staff. But Louise, thank you very much for coming yes. on. Your family were worried. Are they are they happier now? They are a lot
3: happier. They know I'm sensible enough to. So they have that. But I'm very lucky to have such a beautiful family. And are you
1: able and to I travel to the UK for for your mommy. brother's funeral?
3: No, I, I, I was advised not to travel.
1: Okay, how and sad.
3: I didn't go myself because I wasn't well enough. Yeah. But um, my the remainder of my family are there with him. And he was buried yesterday. Okay. So uh, everything, you know, is okay now anyway, you know. All right. So um, thank you for your time again and take care.
1: Thank you for being so articulate and and for speaking with with such, such heart and emotion. Louise, thank you very much.
3: Yeah, thank you very
1: Thanks. much. Thanks. Bye now. Bye bye. bye bye. The story doesn't get much better, by the way. University Hospital Waterford is again being targeted for service downgrades uh, by Southwest Hospital Group in Cork. Uh, the caveat, of course, being the reduction in service at Waterford is going to be sem- supplemented by Cork University Hospital, and this will mean an already squeezed CUH is now taking patients from across the southeast for orthopedics and trauma intervention cardiology, oncology and nephrology services. Uh, A population of almost 600,000 people are now having to go to Cork and that uh, bursting hospital to add to the already growing list of patients in the city. Let's have a listen for one minute to Matt Shanahan.
7: Just to share my frustration about capital downgrades. This morning we hear now about a downgrade of uh, vascular surgical services at University Hospital Waterford. Uh, Coming on the back, I would say, of another steered report that has again ignored completely the population demographics down there, a rising population, the fact that we have a Model 4 interventional cardiology oncology service, one of the busiest trauma units in the country, one of the busiest orthopaedic services in the country, and yet again another steered report to send services up the road to Cork and take them out of Waterford. Now, answer, a couple of days ago you referenced to the national media about uh, difficulties in recruitment to the CAT lab in University Hospital Waterford, when in fact interview panels weren't even put together and uh, applications weren't even made to be available for the jobs because they aren't even advertised. So I think you've been getting briefings and you know some time uh, in the past you suffered from getting failed briefings from South West Hospital Group. But I suppose what I really want to know is when will your government start to defend the southeast Regional Model forward, with adequate finance, yeah, adequate good. capital. Yeah. And when will you publish uh, some funding strategy for University Hospital oh,
1: should, to <laughs> uh, That's my channel and TD. Uh, and what's going to be more pressure coming our way uh, to the CUH with an already squeezed CUH now taking patients from across the southeast. Uh, for orthopaedics and trauma interventional cardiology, oncology and nephrology services. Uh, now then, we had a good news story in uh, February, 15th of February this year. 300 jobs created by TELUS International across Ireland. Recruitment underway for roles offering a mix of on-site, remote, And hybrid opportunities, TELUS International announced 300 new jobs at its locations in Cork, Dublin and Mayo. Uh, The company said it's committed to providing employees with flexible working arrangements. Now, TELUS International is a global customer experience and IT services provider. Uh, So as well as growing its workforce here, the three offices in Ireland also saw major investments to upgrade their facilities, the company announced. And they said our culture is one that rewards innovation and teamwork, and we're now delighted to be able to offer those jobs which people can come and grow their careers with us. And for that reason, we're also investing in our facilities with a new recruitment centre and a gym at our Irish headquarters in Mahan and Cork, as well as refurbishing our restaurant space too. Uh, The news comes today, though, uh, and this is a direct quote, uh, I can confirm that TELUS International Ireland informed approximately 100 team members based in Cork that their roles on a specific client account would be ending. We continue to work with all individuals impacted on employment options, including transiting or transition to other client accounts within our company, and we expect the majority of our team to be redeployed to alternate programs where this type of redeployment is not feasible or where team members have made the decision to seek employment outside the company. We provide access to career planning services and wellness support, uh, said a TELUS International Ireland company spokesperson. We had a couple of inquiries yesterday uh, as to whether we could find out and confirm that redundancies would be taking place. That's the official statement. Uh, It looks more like redeployment than redundancies and it looks like uh, maybe uh, just a client account ending and the interaction with that client account will affect about 100 team members. But it seems as though it may not be as bad as uh, some of the workers thought yesterday. It may not be uh, 100 people uh, looking for new employment, uh, but perhaps redeployment within the company uh, to other client accounts. So not the worst of news, not great, but not the worst of news uh, in what was feared to possibly be 100 redundancies coming to Cork.
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM.
1: 5 to 10. I had a discussion yesterday with Kerry from uh Fitzpatricks in Lansown huge huge money over 3 million put into the premises it's a absolutely stunning place uh and a great place to shop but uh, there are parking issues there according to Kerry uh there have been remedial works done to provide a cycleway uh and uh, some listeners to the program complaining that access and uh, egress from the site uh, isn't as clear as it could be plus there's been reduced parking there uh, which is affecting Kerry uh Fitzpatricks the business and their ability to uh, continue very strong employment. And this is the council response uh, for, for for that uh, request we put in for Fitzpatrick's in Dlaunson. Pretty standard stuff, actually. Here we go. Planning permission for the Buries Bridge to carry to a pedestrian and cycle route was obtained by Cork County Council in March 2020 as part of the specific public consultation process and as set down in the Planning and Development Regulations 2001 as amended, notification of the planning application was published in the Irish Examiner on the 10th of January 2020 and public notices were erected along the length of the scheme. In addition to these statutory obligations, Cork County Council engaged with stakeholders along the route, including Fitzpatrick shop, to advise of the proposals contained in the planning application. The engagement has continued throughout the detailed design and construction stages and is ongoing. Uh, Well, Kerry would contend it's an accident about to happen, uh, that her business is not going to repay her the huge money that uh, she invested uh, and that people are having parking difficulties. So in the face of all that, uh, she also appealed yesterday for people to do their best to park safely and support the business. This one is by email. Hello, make what's happening to our city? A place that welcome people no matter where you're from. Uh, Cork is now becoming so dangerous. It's the first time in my life I'm not proud to be from this city. There's fights every weekend in town and people uh, getting children into drugs to uh, become dealers and pushers from a young age. This is not our city anymore. Now, if you're hard-pressed to find things to do for the kids, uh, school's out, of course, you're probably already scratching your head about what to do with the kids. Well, the Neil Pandaval Show's got you covered. We have dozens and dozens in association with Cork City Council and the Explore app, uh, family passes to give away to explore Cork County. If you tell us your most memorable staycation story, uh, if it's any good at all, don't worry, we're very generous, we'll give you a family pass. It could be Michael Collins' house, Spike Island, Uh, Camden Fort Mar Skibbereen Heritage Centre Yall Clock uh, Gate Tower and the Voices of St Mary's Tour all of them could be yours you can phone 0818 104106 or text us on 0868 104106 News at 10 is next
8: I'm Rory
3: and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on the
2: Big Red Bench that's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And good morning to
1: Marika on line one. Hi Marika. Hello Mick, how are you? Very good. Now I was hoping somebody would and you're about to uh, have uh, a little the- bit, a, bring a little bit of balance to a conversation we had the other day. Yes, well I hope so. Okay, tell us all about it. You were... Uh, kind of not impressed with my chat uh, on the war in the Ukraine and uh, the gentleman we were talking to uh, did seem to me to be a little pro-Russian.
8: I think he was extremely pro-Russian Mick, to be honest. I got the measure of him, as my mum would would say, quite early on in the conversation, as soon as he started to mention the amount of Ukrainian flags, it, it seemed quite uh, a pot down, you know, and I just wait waited for the rest of it. And, yeah, uh, he said he said yeah. he said
1: to me, "I'm not pro-Russian," but uh, and when I when but, I hear that, it's um you know you when you hear from a friend, look look, I don't want to offend you, but that's always followed by an offending comment.
8: It certainly is. You know, I'm not saying Ukrainians are against every single Russian person, make because that isn't how it is. They suffer as well, but at the end of the day Philip is wrong where he says people uh, were happy to see them uh, inv- invading, it's completely wrong. They've lived in fear and terror of Russia for centuries, long before 2014. Long before anything in this century or the last century, it's been going on for so, so long and it continues to go on. For people like Philip to make comments such as the Ukrainians were so happy to see them and Ukraine will be freed of Nazis, you know, there are no Nazis. My, my father, uh, he, he, he's dead now, he's long dead, but he was actually taken away, him and his co- cousins, by real Nazis for being p- politically involved during World War II. My father was in Auschwitz, so, you know, I think I've got a better idea than Philip about what a Nazi is, um, because to the day he died, my father had a number on his arm you know uh uh, from auschwitz so that word to, to, to be used so casually it really makes me angry there are no nazis in ukraine what there are in ukraine like any other country in the world there's complete nut jobs on the far left and the far right as there are in every single country we have them here in england You know, you probably have a few in Ireland, people who are a a little bit off scale politically, um, but there are no Nazis. And to just use that word, and and then it really annoyed me to hear him talk about how happy Ukrainian people were with the Russians going in. Nothing could be further from the truth. If people were happy, they wouldn't have fled from eastern Ukraine, southern Ukraine, uh, Central and Western Ukraine. If they were so happy, they'd still be there in the homes.
1: But they, uh, flee. So. They do, and, and flee here. A lot of them have already done. Uh, I, I, I think the Nazi comments—they um, they kind of stem from something Vladimir Putin said—is that he's denazying uh, Eastern okay. Ukraine or the Donbas region.
8: Yeah. Well, you see, this, uh, it's so difficult to explain to people from the West, it would take all day. Russia always has an agenda and always has an excuse, not a reason, but an excuse. Um what they've, what he's honed home, in on is that during World War 2 I'm not sure I'll be thanked by Ukrainians for saying this, there was a very small amount, and I mean a very small amount, of Ukrainians who threw their lot in with the Nazis. Now, on the other hand, there were people like my father who thought that they could use the Nazis to clear Ukraine of Russia because their pre presence was there even then and uh, as my father said he said it didn't work out like that at all they soon pretty pri- tapped on to the fact that these were vile vile people um, but you know russia can use that as an excuse and say every single ukrainian is a nazi they are not they're just ordinary people living ordinary lives and they're not interested in russia ukraine isn't a threat to that country but that country is a huge threat to Ukraine. And for Philip to allude to some of the comments that he said, such as it's not a proper country, of course it's a proper country. The, the, the problem with Ukraine is it's been invaded by different nations over the years and, you know... Because it, of its it substantial
1: the, natural resources more than anything else. Exactly. And its ability to well, feed yeah. all of Europe.
8: That, that's this as well, because the land is fertile, you know, and the Russian soil isn't quite as fertile. Um, that's another reason. But the main thing with Russia is it just wants to control. If it could, it would take back Moldova, Georgia, and all the other co- countries in Eastern Euro- Europe. And this is, for them, this is just a start. Yeah, they Kazakhstan is, is, is
1: now seem- seemingly in the sights of Mr. Putin, and, of course, NATO is ramping up. Uh, with, uh, is it Finland and Sweden? Yes, I know Finland's one of them uh, being accepted. I think it's Finland and Sweden, yeah. Uh, So, so, you know, it's ratcheting up on both sides, the tension, and of course uh, the reticence of uh, the US and, and any coalition or European or NATO to put boots on the ground there is that uh, it could go to all-out nuclear war. Let's let's listen to uh, Philip and uh, the interview that uh, ired you so much. This is Philip talking about the Donbass.
4: Like for instance, right. Most people don't discuss this, right? Uh, but we say we take the Donbass region, right, which actually incorporates the two provinces, right? Are they're, they're now deemed to be republics of Luhansk and uh, Donetsk? Um, they're all Russian-speaking people. Right? and uh, traditionally it was always a Russian enclave and uh, to be quite honest about it, right, since the maiden revolution in 2014, that place has been under constant attack by the Ukrainian forces, right. What most people don't discuss is the fact, right, that 14,000 innocent civilians in those particular regions, right, have actually been killed and slaughtered by indiscriminate uh, Ukrainian shellfire and stuff like that. So when they declared their republics, right, it did give the Russians an opportunity To move in, right, as they were, you know, so-called protecting their people, right, and protecting Luhansk and Donetsk, right, because it does appear. Now, I can't confirm this, but it does appear, right, that the actual Ukrainians, particularly the nationalist side of their army, were lining up, right, you know, to wipe out Luhansk and Donetsk once and for all. So they. that probably adds a little bit of credibility, if not an awful lot of credibility, to uh, Russia's claim right now that they were going into the denazify fighter place, right? And not only that, right, you know, to bring peace and protection to the area.
1: Okay, I think Philip is uh, believing Mr. Putin's propaganda. What would you think, Marika?
8: Um, I think he is. I think he's fallen hook-line and... Thinker for Mr. Putin's propaganda, quite frankly. If Ukraine is to live in peace, Russia needs to get off its land, quite frankly it needs to get off its land and leave Ukraine alone and leave every other country that it's ever poked its nose into alone. There will never, ever be any peace as long as this person is in power in Russia. And unless somebody like Alexei Navalny is actually freed from prison, who seems a decent kind of a person and who could actually rule properly over that country, I don't think there will ever, ever be any peace, but not just for Ukraine, for all of Eastern Europe, and I think it would go further. It didn't go further after World War II. I think nowadays it would go further. They would push further west. They don't care what they do. They have no scruples. I really I think Philip needs to go back on his history books, And I think Philip would do well to listen to what Ukrainian people themselves can tell him about how how russia has terrorized that country for centuries he needs to be talking to people who know and as i say that's not every single russian person they don't all have that mindset but there does seem to be a fairly collective mindset amongst a lot of them nick and you know they're fed propaganda morning noon and night uh,
1: it, it, Things aren't it, getting any it, better though, Marika, because they, they, you know the Russians have you know, one province in the Donbass region under their control, and now they've ramped up the shelling uh, of cities uh, in the other province, which is Donetsk, of course, or Donetsk. Donetsk, yeah. Um, John, Donetsk, yeah.
8: Yes. So well, you they, know, they seem to be
1: preparing for what looks like the, the next major offensive of this war
8: but because they won't give up because he doesn't want to lose face that's why they won't pull out because he just doesn't want to lose face he is determined to carry on and carry on
1: vladimir putin they, said yesterday marika he said yesterday that uh, we will reach berlin and now that's a you know, that's an obvious um you know, it's a, it's a throwback to uh, the Allies reaching Berlin in nineteen forty-five. Uh, once again, so it's weird. once again it's a Nazi comment because uh, he's he's giving the impression we will reach Berlin, which is Kiev in this case, uh, and denazify Ukraine. Once again, it's the same narrative.
8: I wonder where all these Nazis are in Ukraine. You know, I'd love to know, Mick, where all these Nazis are, are hiding. You know, according to the Russians, they're hiding in every house, under every bush, up every tree, all these Nazis. In actual fact, apart from the real original Nazis dur- during World War II, the next best uh, way to describe a Nazi is to describe a Russian and what their army have done. They've raped, they've murdered, they've tortured... You know, I could, if I had another half hour to speak to you, I could tell you things my father and other people, and other people as well, have told me about what they experienced through Russia in their own country. And I can tell you now, their methods of torture would put any Nazi to shame. It would make a, a, a German Nazi look like an amateur.
1: Well, if if Ukrainians if Ukrainians aren't Nazis, I think you'll also agree that the uh, the vast sway, the vast majority of the Russian people uh, are not bad people, uh, are not how you describe their soldiers are acting, and are they're under sufferance really from a totalitarian dictator.
8: They are, there are some who actually do believe it, and there are some who look down on U- Ukrainians and see them as inferior. That's another thing that infuriates me when you hear from the Russian side, well, you know, we're all one nation. We were never one nation, and we're not the same people. It's a different language. It's a different faith. It's, um, it's Just for historical context, yeah,
1: U- U- Ukraine was part of the USSR
8: well they all were after world yeah. war Two. they they had all been separate countries but then after world war Two, um it it, it, it uh, everything became under the rule of russia do you know my father could never go but he didn't get to see his country in 50 years Mick. Wow. he wasn't allowed back and when he did go back in 1992 when ukraine opened up he went back for four weeks and he told me, he took my mother and my son, who was a child at the time, he said, I'll take you next year and next year never came because on his Christmas day on the 6th of January in 1993 just six months after he had a road accident that left him paraplegic he never got to go back again so in 50 years my father spent four weeks in his own country the Germans took him away or I should say the Nazis not the Germans it's not fair on them but it was the Russians who kept him out he had a travel document because he didn't become a British citizen he had a travel document that clearly stated, travelled to anywhere in the world except USSR. He couldn't go to Poland, Yugoslavia, as as it was then. He couldn't go back to his own country. That was Russia. People have no idea whatsoever. I'm not saying that they're all bad, Mick. Sure. You know, because there's what? some brave people who have protested and then ended up in jail because of protesting but people like philip i would urge philip to really not to get angry with me for pulling him up on this but to actually speak to ukrainian people and ask them what the real story is
1: now you're from it's, it's a, uh, you're from a family with a ukrainian dad but your mom is from county louth and you were born in she england is.
8: Um, I, yes, don't Philip, Philip
1: mentioned the you know the plethora of flags that are flying everywhere. They're flying on civic buildings and yeah. flying publicly and flying from houses and all that. Does that give you some solace? Does it give you some solidarity? Um, I, actually, let, let me let me just uh, play you what he said uh, about the flags. And uh, just one second. Um, what what do you think of the flags, though? Here we me? go. Yeah, just before we play, Philip, what, what what do you think of the flags that are waving everywhere I, around Ireland?
8: Right, I, I actually wasn't aware of that until he, he, he said that yesterday, but to be quite honest, as I put in my email to you, I think that shows great support from a nation, which is Ireland, who's, all, who's been oppressed over the centuries, great support from one nation to another, which is Ukraine, which has also been suppressed and oppressed over the centuries. I'm not saying that the Irish flag should not fly, obviously, of course it should. But if Philip's so concerned about flags flying, he needs to go up to those six counties in the north and make a case for all the English flags to come down because that's on Irish soil as well. There is no place for that either. Uh, that's,
1: a whole, that's a whole that's a whole different day's uh, topic of discussion. But, but let's hear what Philip had well, to say had to say on flags.
4: You go down to Yaw now and you go up the mayor right, now and there you see it I'll oh, say the civic offices in Yaw there's the Ukrainian flag flying high outside our own public building and uh, no Irish flag whatsoever, none. And I mean that sincerely. You'll have every flag for every little cause and everything up in the flagpoles there. There are three flagpoles and uh, no Irish flag. And I think that's pathetic, you know.
1: Okay, that's what he had to say. And it was kind of on the topic of flag etiquette that we started the conversation that the Irish flag should be flying here higher than the Ukrainian flag. And no matter what level of support you want to show, it's just a, a national thing.
9: Mm, mm.
8: Well, in that case, I can agree with him slightly. Yes, of course the Irish flag should fly. Of course it should. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be taken down or packed away for any other flag. Of course not. But I think his main concern is the fact that it, they happen to beat Ukrainian flags. And I still say, no matter what he said, I still think he is pro-Russia. And I think that is his, his problem that 's what he 's unhappy about, not so much that it 's uh, a flag that's flying maybe higher than the Irish flag or in place of, but the fact that it's it 's there anyway because it 's blue and yellow and then of course, the Irish flag should should fly. I totally agree with that i I, I agree with the statue for Michael Collins. I think it 's long overdue. I think the Irish flag of course it should fly in its own country. But I think from Ireland's point of view, they were just trying to show support towards a nation that had to flee, pretty much like Irish people had to flee in the past, and nobody supported them. Even when my mother came over here, Mick, in the uh, 1950s, she came to do her nurse training. Even then, there was such a level of dislike for Irish people, it was untrue. Um, so it's only now in recent years that Ireland has come into its own. Uh, so uh, uh, somebody of Philip's age, he 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 said he had grandchildren. So I imagine he's he's no spring chicken if he's got grandchildren. Marika, somebody as, of his age. Uh, or, uh, or, as a half Ukrainian,
1: no uh, Marika, let's 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 move on to where we're at at the moment. As a half Ukrainian, what do you see the outcome being here? Is is the east of Ukraine going to be annexed? In a peace deal for Vladimir Putin, or will he have to get all the way to Kiev to prove his point and save face?
8: I well, oh, I'm no expert on this, Nick. I would, I would think, if Ukraine had the weapons that it's been crying out for, and no people have been gone they have supplied them. So obviously, we have to thank everybody else for all about and for their help. But I think if Ukraine could get all the weapons they need, I think they could wipe them out in a heartbeat and stop them progressing any further and take back Eastern Ukraine or what now is known as the Donbass. I do truly believe that Ukrainians will not give up fighting. They will not give up fighting. They love their land. They love their country. They love everything about it. And they won't give up fighting. They'll hold out till the last. Uh, All all anybody with a drop of Ukrainian blood in, in them can hope for is that russia is stopped before it can cause further damage to any other country as well as ukraine i i i i think ukraine will win in the
1: end i do uh but it's going to but be a long and bloody pace. pathway i
8: think it will be
1: well, what, one of the things I did, I did try to get into it philip was the difference between what he calls an ongoing military operation which is of course the kremlin narrative uh, and what constitutes a war. Uh, you know, which is uh, the, the serious crimes against humanity that are going on and bombing shopping centers indiscriminately to send messages yeah. to the G7. Uh, just have a listen to this little tip.
4: Russia describes this right, as an ongoing military operation. There is a difference between an ongoing military operation and all out war. In an ongoing military operation, what you actually do is right, you take out military and strategic targets, right? In a war, you take out the infrastructure and uh, everything with regards to the infrastructure. The Russians have not, by any circumstances, taken out any infrastructure in the entirety of the Ukraine. The only places that they have taken out, we say, would be rail yards, which are shipping weapons from the West uh, west, uh, eastwards, right? Okay, to continue on with the war, and it's you know it, it, that's the reason why. I'm not saying I'm pro-Russian. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying I'm pro-Ukrainian. I am not. Right. I'm just trying to keep a balance here on the whole thing.
1: Now, oh, pro-Russian or pro-Ukrainian? I don't know. That was a different caller, of course, not Philip. But the, uh, um, is is there the context of war here, or is it can, can it be defended as just an ongoing military operation? To me, it seems clear. But, but what's it like to you?
8: yeah well I think that was the same man actually it was him uh, because I heard the podcast I heard it all the way through Um, a military operation as he said is you take out uh, army bases and all the rest of it but war is the infrastructure I wonder what he'd call a maternity hospital in Mariupol I wonder what he'd call a theatre I wonder what he'd call people's homes people's houses and shopping centers and schools and kindergartens as well. I mean, that is infrastructure. They are not just going for a military base or uh, anything like like that. They are just going hell for leather on everything in Ukraine. Whatever they can fire on, whatever they can bomb, they are do- doing, they are firing on, they are shelling, they are bombing anything and everywhere. So again, it's a war. It is a war. It's a war between those two countries. And if Russia isn't stopped, it will be a World War III. Now, I don't believe for one minute that Putin will ever, ever have a nuclear war, because that isn't in his, his game plan. He wants to win. If there's a nuclear war, nobody wins. Nobody no. wins. No. No, no, nobody wins. But it's great that they have this as a threat. They've talked about nuclear war for years and years and years and years. It's not going to happen. I think there will be chemical warfare. I don't think that there will be a nuclear war. But the West now, it's time for them to completely stand up to that country. Uh, in as much for the sake of ordinary Ro- Russian people as well, Nick, You know, because to have to live under that regime, it must be pure hell, no matter what each, each, each one might say. It must be hell. But, you know, that's their country. They need to sort it out. But they have no right to be doing what they're doing on Ukraine or any other country in the world. They have no right to be there. Ukraine don't want them there. They want them out. Nobody wants to to be living in a land where the bombs are falling, the houses are falling, the residential apartment buildings. That's the in- infrastructure as well.
1: Yeah, you know, In the last these- 24 hours, by the way, the governor of Donetsk has uh, urged mass evacuation. Now, this isn't retreat uh, as such, in, in that if... if uh, You'll save your own lives if, if we can conduct an orderly mass evacuation, and you'll give us the space uh, to better fight the Russians. So, very, very defiant still.
8: They are. Well, you see, that's the Ukrainian way of thinking because that's how they've always had to think. Their country, who's never invaded anybody, but everybody else has inva- invaded them. It's a little bit like yourselves in Ireland. You know, you've been invaded, but I can't re- recall any war that I- Ireland has started. It's never invaded another country. It's just been, been the one to be invaded. It's the same with Ukraine.
1: We've only invaded so, with our music, our arts and our culture, really.
8: But that's a good invasion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Marika, I, I, I wish you the best. Thank, thank you for coming on to bring a bit of balance to, to the week's programme. Uh, I read another good, good news story. I don't have it to hand. Good news for you, I guess. Uh, some guy in the Ukraine raised $20 million in a GoFundMe campaign to buy drones uh, to fight the Russian invasion. And when he presented it to the company uh, that manufactured the drones, they said, we're not taking the money, but we'll give you the drones.
8: Oh, really? Thank <laughs> yeah. oh, I, wa- I wasn't aware of that.
1: It's, it's in oh, one well, of the morning that, papers. That... I, I, I can't remember which oh, one, but, uh, but it's there. Uh, look...
8: Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you for t- telling me that <laughs> because I have no idea at all.
1: All the best, Marika, and and we wish you and your countrymen and women all the best in in restoring calm, peace, and and uh, I spent two beautiful nights in in Kiev, actually, in the Palace Hotel, uh, and you can see the oh, old, you, you can see the old, maybe Russian is the wrong word, but you can see the old style architecture, uh, you know, that you'd often come across on not just in movies, but uh, uh, you know, if you've ever visited Moscow, it's it, there is no real difference. Same in Budapest. Uh, you can see a uh, German oh, yeah. and Russian influence there, yeah. you know. A beautiful city uh, with wonderful yeah. smiling people, the very best of cuisine and a very best welcome. Uh, and I only hope oh. that the airways open up again to a very peaceful and tourist-ridden Ukraine uh, if this can oh, uh, all come so, to Nick. an end. Thanks, I Marika. Hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you for you so
8: calling much. me, uh, Nick. Thank Thanks. you. Take care now. Thanks. Thanks. Good morning. Bye-bye. <laughs>
2: Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, Red FM.
1: It's coming up on 23 minutes to 11 o'clock. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. Now, British TV watchdog Ofcom has said that the popular ITV reality TV show Love Island has received almost 800 complaints in four weeks. Since returning on air, viewers were concerned about bullying on the show, contestants' well-being and mental health, and the age gap between contestants on the dating show. Concerns have also been raised about what kind of example it sets for realistic relationships. So should it be banned was a question we posed on our social channels last night. And uh, some of the comments are quite telling, actually. Yep, take it off the air. It's destroying people's mental health watching that utter tripe. Uh, Possibly the dumbest waste of airtime in the history of TV. Some of the contestants on there would not be the sharpest tools in the box. Either it's sending the wrong message to young boys and girls, Uh, to the girls that watch it, it says to them this is how to get your man, and to the boys it tells them to get what you can and to hell with the girls. It does for the dating game what Hitler did for world peace. You would wonder where all the offended snowflakes are. They're probably watching it. Uh, another couple of comments, if you've an issue with it, don't, uh, then don't watch it. It's 2022. You've more than three channels now, so watch something else. Or go on social media and find something else to complain about. Some people love to watch drama just to complain and spread more drama. Get a life and cop on to yourselves. Uh, one man's taste is another man's poison. I don't actually watch Love Island, but I would fight for the right of choice without ridicule. And because I'm spectacularly out of my depth here, we've brought in Neil Prendival Show producer Claire O'Connor to give me a little bit of assistance. Tell me what exactly what is Love Island? And to my understanding, right, because i spectacularly disinstri- disinterested in the programme, <laughs> to my understanding, bunch of guys, bunch of girls, uh, as Jeremy Clarkson said when Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz came on Top Gear, it's like I'm looking at a blueprint for the human race.
10: OK, you know, I'm actually glad you said that because I think a lot of the reasons people watch it is for that kind of idea of you're looking at a Petri dish of people and you kind of you you kind of watch how people react to situations and it's, it's high pressure situation. You're on television. Um, And obviously the whole idea of the show is to find romance. Now, some people think that people aren't authentic when they say that, you know, some people want to become famous out of it or some people want to play games and things like that. But the concept of the show is that there's a group of boys, a group of girls, and they try to find love in this uh, gorgeous villa. Why are they all not
1: normal? Why are they all stunning?
10: That is also, um, I think, why people say that it messes with um, people's mental health and that it can be really... um, damaging to people and now especially young people. And I think, Mick, it can be um, seen a lot like social media as well, in that it's often the more vulnerable people or the younger people that that get the hard end of the stick with that. Now, you know, you can watch it and, and you know, you can not take any notice of things. But I know that there would be some people that come out from watching that show and they think to themselves, oh, I'm not as beautiful as that person or, oh, I'm not, you know, um I wish I had a body like that or I wish I looked like that and you know I can see how it can be damaging from from that perspective um, I think a lot of the comments on the the Facebook post you know a lot of them were calling for it to be banned and that it's really bad for people but you know at the end of the day people are allowed to watch
1: But if you're getting that, if that kind of reaction isn't that defining what great TV is that uh, some people love it some people hate it Yes uh, and and there's a, a sway of the people who will complain mm-hmm. uh, to some they have no interest in it or anything about it and to some, just get out of the TV room. I mean, it's all very well to say, you know, there's a thousand channels. i have only got one TV room Mm -hmm. and it's commandeered for this stuff that I just absolutely (laughs) just can't couldn't watch
10: and I think a lot of parents would think that about their kids as well like I, I think a lot of parents you know especially if they have kids that are like 15, 16, 17 it could be inappropriate for them and as some of the commenters said as well it could be leading them into false ideas about what relationships look like or how to deal with people you know
1: well one telling comment here, and I've read it out already to the girls that watch it mm-hmm. it says to them this is how to get your man uh, you know? Maybe what does that mean? You must be sexy and alluring, and you must have all the curves in the right places, and you must be fit. Mm-hmm. And to the boys, it tells them do what you want. And to hell with the girls. That's mm-hmm. is that the ob- objectification of, of of women? Is is that unhealthy signals to be sending to young hormone ridden adolescent <laughs> pubertic males?
10: Well, I think that from the from the outset and from the outside it can really look like that and I think that at the beginning a lot of these contestants in the show they they have that sort of personality they're like I'm going to get what I want um, I'm amazing I can get any girl or guy that I want but what actually transpires throughout the show is that they be, kind of become normal vulnerable people um and you kind of see a normal sight these kinds of people which I, I think a lot of people who don't maybe watch the show see or realize but at the end of the day it is a television show there's television cameras it's a high pressure situation so you know it's very hard to tell who is being authentic and who isn't
1: okay now let's uh, take a phone call on the subject from anna hi anna
10: hello
1: hello anna kolosova where are you from anna
9: Uh, I'm from Ukraine.
1: Okay. Oh, another Ukrainian. That's a coincidence. You you feel bad for Charlie.
9: I felt bad for him because of how he was treated, I think, to be honest with you. So, um, I don't know. He he was made fun of how he looked and then how he moved and how he was there. So, I think, like, coming out from the Love Island and seeing all the comments and what people are saying, it's kind of, you know, it would kill anyone's confidence, I think.
10: Do you think, though, that if you go on this show, you're kind of lining yourself up for that attention and the possibility of that happening? And I know it was awful for him, like, and I do understand that. But did he not know that going in or any of the contestants? Yeah, but it's usually no, no one ever kind
9: of makes remarks on someone's looks like that. I think it's usually if someone does something, you know, like a or like, you know, if someone's not loyal, then people start making kind of remarks and like comments and stuff. But like where it's just him, the way he was born and like to be made fun of how he looked or how he moved compared to other people and to see that no one else was made fun of, it's just kind of, I think, I don't know, not fair.
1: Do you think these shows are worthwhile, Anna? Are they harmless, or are they sending um, out wrong messages?
9: I think, well, I think it's really unrealistic to find love, to be honest, in that short time, of, you know. And um, I don't know, to be honest, like this is my first time, first year ever watching this show, so it's kind of addicting because like. Um, I like how the relationships are progressing and it's kind of fun because it's dramatic and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's really unrealistic and, uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Thanks for the call, Anna. Okay, bye. Thank you. Uh, That's Anna Kolosova, who is from the Ukraine, uh, obviously listening and watching uh, Love Island in Ireland. Uh, Now, we have a little bit of a clip of uh, Charlie's heartache challenge fail. This involved... Both sets of boys and girls doing a striptease lap dance. For God's sake. Tell me what's that, about? What's that all about, Claire? <laughs> well, oh, I'm actually enjoying this.
10: <laughs> You're learning so much. Um, so essentially, um, there was definitely a lot of complaints about this. But I, the, the scenario was that um, the boys would all sit down and then one girl would come out one at a time do a dance, which may not have been suitable for television, a lot of people would have said. And they were all wearing heart rate monitors. And then it was um, revealed afterwards, which girl, because each girl went out, got the guys' heart rates up. And the vice versa happened as well. So the guys would come out each and do a dance. So you're watching heart rate
1: monitors to see if you can decipher it as a viewer uh, who has the hots for somebody else? Is
10: exactly. It? And they all find that out. And then what happens is chaos because while some of them are coupled up, uh, the fella who was coupled up with your one, his heart rate ends up going up higher for a different contestant. And so
1: they all know they, they all get these heart rate results and say, oh.
10: Yes. It's she fancies me. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Charlie's heart rate
4: challenge. So, baby, are you flexing? Make it shake. be joking. <laughs> Butler. I don't think there
3: was anything he could have been more awkward or uptight
4: about. Sorry, who's he <laughs> going to? It's getting we be waking up the house. Honestly.
3: Like, do you and you just want to die for someone? And I was just like, oh, <laughs> bless
4: him. To
3: do a heart rate, it was probably like, buh-bum,
4: stressing bum, bum. <laughs> I was
11: a bit kind of, not offended, but you know, he never really kissed me. And I think, babes, I'm coupled up with you and we're trying to get to know each other.
10: Why the frick aren't you kissing me? Oh,
4: no, I yeah! face, you, yeah. I think
12: I
1: could have gone in more with the girls. I kept the PG, but I'm in a f***ing song, so that's not really the case. Now, the guys just flashed a clip of it up there, flash being the operative word. Uh, these guys are built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, the ladies look like they could be in Miss Universe, and they're all completely tanned, and they're yeah. all oiled up bodies. Mm-hmm. And you find this very attractive for something, is it? I, I don't know. Uh, so tell us Charlie's story because it, there's, I think it's the basis of a lot of the complaints to Ofcom.
10: Yeah, so essentially what happened that evening was that, as I said, each contestant came out, did a bit of a dance um, and Charlie's one just didn't really go to plan. He was supposed to sort of <laughs> like whip, like rip his trousers off in a sort of, a, I guess, attractive way and it just didn't happen and he kind of fell over himself and it just came across obviously as a bit awkward Uncomfortable, which is fair enough because I wouldn't be caught dead doing something like that, not a mind on television. And as you heard in the clip there, a lot of the girls were, you know, sort of making fun of him, which is what Anna was saying, our last caller, and just uh, I think it is that, that sort of pointing the finger and laughing at people and um, that got a lot of the complaints and this sort of bullying aspect within the show. Um, now I do know that in earlier seasons which I wouldn't have watched uh, bullying was a very serious issue and since then I understand that producers of the show have set up protocols to, to stop that and also have people on call for the contestants to go and talk to if they're feeling bad or if they're feeling uncomfortable.
1: Okay, uh, here's a straw poll of some of the comments we're getting. Uh, you bunch of wet wipes. Just, just let people enjoy the shows. They're harmless and a bit of crack. Another text just says, why should it be banned? Not everybody wants to watch golf, soccer, and Jeremy Clarkson, uh, doing trucks and car shows and relics of old cars. But you do hear a lot of people, do you hear a lot of people complaining about these shows? No, because we women have the sense to turn over and watch Love Island or The Soaps. Shock horror. (laughs) It's a load of rubbish. Why people are watching it is uh, really bothering me. People who watch it must have sad lives to watch that crap. Uh, Moaning Michaels, never heard that one before. They're Moaning Michaels, that's what they are. Uh, I don't like it, I don't watch it. Go find something else to moan about. Absolute rubbish and so bad for young people. It's so fake how anyone can watch it is beyond me. Uh, I've only one complaint since another another texture, Why was it left on TV in the first place? Yes, it should be banned, but probably won't happen. And even if it is, there'll be something else to replace it that'll be just as crap. Uh, There's a load of rubbish on TV. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Uh, It's as simple as that. It's harmless entertainment. It should never have existed. And shame on all of you who watch and support it. So... Once again, you're not going to get the middle ground people who are saying, I think I'll watch Love Island tonight, I quite enjoy it. You're going to get the people who hate it and the people who would absolutely die for it to be texting in to say, yeah, look, it you're going to continue to watch it, is there much left in it?
10: Um, I'm not actually sure how many weeks are left um, but you know like I know what people are saying and I, I think sometimes a lot of the the entertainment value just comes out of similar to what Big Brother was you know people think oh you're just watching a load of people going around doing their their daily bits and pieces but it's, it's watching pe- how people interact with other people and when people come up in certain scenarios or or have a bit of conflict with people, how they resolve it and how they react. But like 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 Big Brother.
1: Like Big Brother. You're sitting watching (laughs) a goggle box, right? You're sitting in your house watching people in another house. You could be out enjoying yourself, enjoying <laughs> nature or a bit of football or sailing or something.
10: Absolutely. And I think, you know, once you're not sitting watching this all day, every day and and, cons- and letting it consume you. And that's the problem that I think a lot of people have with it, especially with young people. If they're just really consumed by it and wishing, oh, you know, and, and worrying about how they look and, and trying to imitate these people, then, then that's an issue. But if people watch it for a bit of crack and a bit of fun, then... What's the harm?
1: Okay, honest answer here. Mm-hmm. Are a lot of people watching it because it's eye candy?
10: Ooh, probably, actually. Um, I wouldn't say that for myself. I I wouldn't personally find any of the people in there attractive. Um, but yeah, I'd say so. You just that's, had a look at all of them there. That now, that's that. <laughs> your boyfriend's listening, isn't Add stuff now, You can't say That's only because must, your boyfriend's listening.
1: That must be a factor.
10: Yeah, and I think it is, you know, one of the comments as well said, it's a bit of escapism, you know, how bad watching all these beautiful people in a lovely sunny villa in Spain having a great time, you know, well, for an hour enough, at night.
1: There is enough bad news around, I'll grant you true, true, Okay, exactly. you'll continue to watch it then, as I'm sure hundreds of thousands of others will. But there has been uh, 781 complaints on uh, the uh, Love Island show to British TV watchdog uh, Ofcom. Uh, and I, I'm sure they'll be reviewing that. Meanwhile, the texts continue. Here's the final ones. Uh, reality shows take our minds away from our reality, and it's only for a few hours. I don't see any harm in it. Uh, once again, it should be banned, but that's not going to happen. I watch it every night, keep it on the air, and I couldn't stand watching it. I, if you dragged me in and paid me a million dollars, I wouldn't watch it to this texture.
10: So are you going to tune in?
1: Uh, I would rather... <laughs> But hang hang on a second. <laughs> Let me qualify my following statement, right? Okay. Fair play to you for loving it. Anyone who <laughs> loves and watches Love Island, all respect in the world. It's absolutely your choice. Uh, and I hope you continue to enjoy it. It's just not for me. Personally, I would rather put thumbtacks in my eyes and walk across the M50 in rush hour.
2: Talk to Neil Prenderville now, 818 Cork's Red FM.
1: Coming up to 5 to 11 on this Wednesday morning, the 6th of July. Now, I don't know why this request is needed, but it seems like a very genuine request on the subject of Ukraine. We Ukrainians that have evacuated to Yall County Cork have raised 100% of the money to buy a Ford Transit van to send to Ukraine to help with medical care feeding civilians and for the troops. It needs to be painted green. Oh, because of the medical aspect, that's why. Okay. Would you kindly ask your listeners if there's a a panel beater or spray painter who would volunteer to paint the van green so we can send it to the Ukraine this uh, later this week, early next week. Uh, And that's from the Ukrainian-Irish Solidarity Committee in Yall. You can uh, contact them at uisc.charity at gmail.com Uisc.charity. At gmail.com. That's from Ernia, and it's from the Irish, uh, Ukrainian-Irish Solidarity Committee in 74 North Main Street in Yall. They have 100% of the money raised to buy a Ford Transit van. Uh, I'm sure not a new one, uh, but they're going to send it to Ukraine to help with medical care, feeding civilians, and for the troops, and it needs to be painted green. Uh, so uh, if anyone out there is a panel beater or a spray painter who'd volunteer to paint the van green, uh, and they'll send it across to the Ukraine next week. On the subject of Michael McGrath, another text that says, no prepared questions... Don't insult our intelligence. Some people just will not believe that we don't supply prepared questions to senior ministers coming on. Uh, let me give you this on my word of honour. I supplied no prepared questions uh, to Michael McGrath or to his uh, assistant. Uh, and I supplied no prepared questions to the production team of the Neil Prendeville Show. And I spoke to Michael McGrath on my own volition with no prepared questions uh, in front of him. Uh, of course, I do my own preparation for the programme. But uh, that's what you have to do when you're doing the Neil Prendeville Show. So... If you don't believe me, that's fine. Uh, You're well entitled to that opinion. The government is saying that they want to fight inflation, yet they contribute to it by increasing alcohol unit prices. People do buy alcohol, uh, and it lets them uh, a little bit of respite in this uh, very harrowing time. Uh, Make of a private business makes millions in profit years and years. Uh, How are they allowed to increase prices every time with agreements from the regulator? Uh, And if they say they can, and they say they can't do anything. Uh, I hope Michael McGrath has bought enough has enough buckets under his chin for all the crap he's talking. Says another texter. Uh, Mick Michael McGrath said uh, they have given reductions on fuel. I texted you about a month ago. We use home heating oil. It's the only fuel we use, uh, and we're almost in a retirement. But only one person working. We do not qualify for any muck, uh, uh, any extra money other than my wife. We are looking at a winter uh, of freezing cold conditions in our house. 11 o'clock news next.
10: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to
2: 106. Red FM. This is the Neil friendville Show.
1: And a very good morning to you. Don't forget our family pass giveaways. We're getting text in already on this, but schools are out. And you're probably already scratching your head about what to do with the kids. Now, don't worry. The Neil Prandeville Show has got you covered in association with Cork County Council and the Explore Cork app. We've got family passes to give away to Explore Cork County. Uh, Explore Cork is uh, the app, so please look it up on the uh, Apple Store or on the Google Android Store. And Explore Cork is a one-stop shop tourism app. And uh, if you're uh, a local looking for something to do or if you're a tourist listening to us this morning, then check out the Explore Cork app. It features over 850 places to see and things to do in Cork, and you can download the uh, in the App Store today. So, if you want to win, just tell us your most memorable staycation story. We'd love if you come on the air, uh, but if you can't, and if you want to give us a detailed story by email or text, uh, then you can email Neil at RedFM.ie. Or text or WhatsApp to 0868104106. And the huge array uh, of passes we have to give away over the summer months and before the kids go back to school is to Michael Collins' house, to Spike Island, if you've ever wanted to go, uh, to Camden, Fort Mar, they make that... uh, um, boot camp show there, don't they? Uh, Skibbereen Heritage Centre is there as well. The Yall Clockgate Tower and the Voices of St. Mary's Tour at St. Mary's Collegiate Church in Yall. If you're in that area or you want to travel on line two, it's Jonathan O'Connor, good friend to the program and owner of Tony's Bistro. Good morning, Jonathan. Hi. Oh, that's not a good line. Can you hear me? Oh,
6: no, sorry, no. Can you hear me now? Is that a bit better?
1: That's much better now. You've got a challenge going on on Friday. Uh, with Randy Santel, who's Randy Santel?
6: Randy, Randy's uh, back in town again. So Randy's uh, he's um he's from the state and uh, just he's a he's a beast altogether. He was here about 2013, so he did he was uh, one of the first two people to, uh, to beat the Godfather. Tony, yeah. either
1: you're going to have to move, or we're going to have to ring you back. Can you can you just move to a different spot, maybe?
6: Is that is that better,
1: Mike? That's much better now. So he's a competitive yeah. eater, and he beat That's the Godfather. Right. Who's the Godfather?
6: The god part now is our breakfast challenge. it's uh-huh. a monster all together. So we we've had it going for about ten, ten, eleven years, and um, it's basically if you can eat it all, it's free. It costs twenty twenty nine ninety five. So we've had about about five, just over five hundred people try it. So um, Randy was I think about number three or four to finish it. So we've had uh, only fifteen have managed to do it. for looking forward to Randy coming back now to make it uh, number 16 again.
1: Now, in preparation for this, I have been watching some uh, clips of Randy Santel and if there's a technique involved in eating this enormous amount of food, it's it seems to be that he starts like a savage. He starts
6: fast. Yeah, but I'm going to focus on his uh, proteins, and he protein, so kind of seems to leave the bread to last
1: tell tell you what we're going to do we're going to try and get you back on WhatsApp uh, because uh, Jonathan we just can't hear you Uh, but what I'll do in the meantime while we're trying to do that is uh, read out now this has got a 3 out of 5 stars uh, in the difficulty ratings in uh, competitive food websites around the world so it's not really the Mount Everest of food but to me It looks like it would take you a day to eat it. Let me, let me describe what's in it. Uh, there are six Horgan's Irish sausages. There are six smoked rashers. There are, there's a six ounce sirloin steak. There's four hash browns. There's four slices of clonakilty black and white pudding. There's two fried eggs. There's two scrambled eggs. Two bowls of chips. Three fried tomatoes. One bowl of baked beans. One bowl of sauteed mushrooms. One bowl of fried onion rings. Six slices of toast. Uh six slices of soda bread, all washed down with a bucket of tea or coffee. Uh now the monster breakfast is twenty nine ninety five, uh but you're not going to be charged by Jonathan uh or any of the gang there at Tony's Bistro if you finish it. And the only caveat is there is a two and a half hour limit. Is that a better line, Jonathan? No, we can't seem to get him back there. Okay, uh, so we'll come back to that uh, at a little later stage. uh, But I know that Jonathan wanted to challenge somebody from Cork uh, to uh, taking on the challenge with Randy Santel uh, next Friday. Uh, And I know we live in times of homelessness and hunger, uh, and I know some people may have a problem with this. But look, it's just a little bit of light-hearted fun. Isn't that right, Jonathan? No, sorry, Mike, is that better? Yeah, no problem. I was just saying, you know, people will complain that, you know, in these times of need and homelessness and families going hungry to heat their homes, this may be seen as... You know, maybe not the most politically correct challenge in the world, yeah. but it's just I, a bit I, of harmless fun, isn't it?
6: That, that's it, yes. Yeah. In other words, you know, I know there's always going to be, always going to be people knocking it. But uh, as I said, we just did it as a, as a bit of a gimmick, a bit of, a bit of fun. It. Um, like, and we, thanks very much. But we also do it uh, if you want to do it as a challenge, and you're looking to raise some money for charity. We give, if you do beat the Godfather, we, one we give to you for free, and we give you five hundred euros to that char- charity of your choice. Oh, I
1: didn't know that. Oh. That's a very nice uh, little touch on the side.
6: Yeah, So we, we've been bone. doing that. Now, so we've had, as I said, we know we've had fifteen. Some people are doing it for fun. Some people are kind of like a, as a maybe a stag, a stag group or or, or or something like that. But um as I said, people are doing it for charity, we're quite happy to. And we're happy to honour that now. Fair. any of your listeners would like to maybe pop down yeah. on Friday, I know, I know like you to... wanted
1: to set a challenge for one particular listener um, yet to be found uh, to do the challenge with Randy Santel. Now, Randy Santel beat the Godfather in forty six minutes. Yes, the two no, and a half I, hours Wouldn't... Not,
6: not expecting anybody to be, uh, to be that time but um, if they would like to challenge him if they would like to do and they would like to maybe raise some money for charity and if they happen to do it uh, we'd be very happy to give them 500 towards the uh, charity of their choice
1: I suppose if you've got stag parties coming in uh, Mr. Stag or whoever is going to take on the challenge on his behalf uh, is going to have about 10 other people eating anyway so you're going to get some money but in that, the till.
6: that that's it you No, know, it, as I said it's it a bit of fun now and it's a bit, uh, a bit of banter and it's a uh, we, 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 a lot of people they they talk to the talk, but when it comes down to it, then they kind of uh, they chicken out. But um, as I say, now if there's one of your listeners know uh to, to to give it a go, we'd be we'd be happy to look after him
1: Okay. So what do you need to challenge, Randy? You need, you need a big stomach and a big resolve, I guess.
6: Well, as, as I said, no, he he kind of has it down to an art form. He has it. Um, he's he, he's there's kind of a science the way he does it, but um. Uh, oh, I, I just think leave, If it was me personally, I'd leave the the, the bread to last. It seems to be the bread is the, is the killer. It seems to beat most people. So the the, kind of, the bread and the fries seem to be the kind of the deal breaker. Anybody that starts with them seems to kind of get nowhere. Yeah, because I guess but, um, I guess the bread will expand in the stomach and just yeah, put you out of the game completely. It's, it's kind of the soda bread. It's kind of very filling. Kind of blows you out, you know. But um, as I said, it is a. Uh, it is beatable. We've had fifteen do it, and if you be surprised, it's actually the smaller lads that are, seem to get further. We've had a, a few ladies try it.
1: So, and
6: did, uh, do the
1: ladies get any special dispensation for?
6: Her? No, no. Unfortunately, no. there's there's no changes allowed to the menu with this kind of um. There's as I said, there's a there's five hundred gold before you. So uh, there was one guy now even like he hated mushrooms and god Almighty, he was nearly a uh, nearly felt sorry from trying to get the mushrooms down, and he still didn't beat it. So we have to be fair to everybody else that's come before you. You have to eat everything that's put in front of you, and um, i say you have two and a half hours, and you can walk around, get up, and do it. If you want to go for a bit of fresh air, there's no problem. But you, as long as it's completed in, in the two and a half hours.
1: Okay, let, let me tell people a little bit about Randy Santel because this is going to draw a big crowd to Tony's Bistro on Friday. Randy Santel is a professional eater. Yes, a professional eater who specializes in winning and promoting restaurant food challenges all over the world. He began his eating career right after winning a National Body Transformation competition in 2010 sponsored by men's health magazine and the global hit tv series spartacus he's the owner and operator of the website foodchallenges.com while also focusing highly on nutrition and fitness so he can stay lean and in top physical shape while doing all the challenges that he does randy has the most restaurant uh, eating challenge wins in the world out of all competitive eaters both past and present. He's also the number one source for tips and advice. If you're looking to train, strategize and dominate all types of food challenges, please never forget to win, uh, before you begin. He has rated the Tony challenge, uh, Tony's bistro challenge as three out of five in difficulty. It's nine years since he did it, Jonathan. And, uh, do you think he'll uh, succeed again?
6: Well he's bringing his girlfriend now with this with time so we're uh, looking to see, wait to see how she gets on now so if she, if she was anything like friendly there'd be no bother to her but um, she seems to be uh, the real deal as well So Is we'll, she um, going to try it as well yeah? She's going to do it yeah they're both going to try it so they're booked in for 2.30 on Friday so um, anybody that's around there do you want to give a give a shout out he's very popular he's got a huge uh, following on on um, on uh, YouTube so uh, we'll just uh, wait, wait and see now how, his, how his, uh, the lady gets on as well And does it cost
1: you to get him
2: in?
6: Oh no no no! He he just rang me there last week, and he said he's back he's back in town. He's doing he's travelling around uh, Ireland for a month. I think he's up north for a couple of weeks, and uh, he was down in West Cork during the week as well, I think. And he's going to um, the O'Dwyers on Washington Street on Thursday night. He's doing one of their challenge, their burger and fries challenge. So he's going to be with us on Friday. So uh, and then I think he's heading around Europe then after that. So he's a. Uh,
2: So he's doing a burger and
1: fries challenge on Thursday night and then coming to you to do another challenge. I thought you wouldn't eat for days after something like that. No, I don't know.
6: There's a a message to his madness anyway. Yeah, Yeah.
1: he's got 1.4 million subscribers on YouTube, so it's going to be uh, quite the publicity uh,
6: feature for Cork as well. Exactly, no, you said it, yeah. I can uh, hear the busy
1: I restaurant think... behind you. How are things going?
6: Yeah, very busy now, Mick, thank God. Yeah, very busy. Just as, um, the, 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 the concerts you now were in Cork over the last few weeks there, you now we've we a, a great old buzz around the place and, you know, lots of, uh, that's a new face It's the, to the street and to the city. So, uh, you know, all the business, all the city centre business got a touch up. it. So, we're, you know, it's t- 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 great. And uh, at least the sun is shining again out today. And hopefully next week, I heard your weather forecast a while ago, there'll be, be a, few, a few more people into the, into the city as well.
1: Hopefully. And uh, what about supply costs and increasing prices and pres- well, pressure on prices? How's it affecting you? Know, I- you?
6: That's that's you know that, that everything goes every every player that comes in and every 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 invoice that comes on, there's a letter stapled behind this with the, you know the, the, this is going up and that's going up and but listen you you know you have got to try and remain competitive and you got kind of to try to soak up as much as you can you competitive and also offer try and offer value to, for money yeah. Okay, to so the, ch- Keep the show on the road, mate. That's all you
1: can do. You're, you're putting the challenge out there. If anybody on, uh, on any listener to the Neil Pendable show wants to sit next to or opposite uh, Randy Santel on Friday at half past two, uh, you'll have to pay for the food if you don't eat it. If you don't eat yeah. it all, but it's free if you do. And if you do because of the occasion, that's in at five hundred euros to the charity of your choice uh, will uh, will be donated uh, by Jonathan and the crew at uh, Tony's Bistro. Thanks very much. Thanks a million, Jonathan. Best, Best of, of luck with it. Bye Cheers.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106 Cork's Red FM
1: 22 and a half minutes after 11 o'clock this is Mick Mulcahy. Now this uh, is going to capture the imagination because we're going to go on to some crazy food items uh, as well. Uh, uh, I have always loved bread and jam and cheese. Uh, I don't toast it because uh, the jam would burn the absolute mouth off you. But bread and jam and cheese is essentially what you uh, are looking for if you order deep-fried brie with Cumberland sauce in a restaurant. It's jam and cheese, and it's sweet and sour. I also find it a great cure for anyone who's suffering a little bit of seasickness. and uh, But there's been some strange ones coming out lately and we're going to look at it and we're going to uh, repeat that challenge as well to find a Cork person. This is not a Neil Prandevil Show challenge. This is a Tony's Bistro challenge laid down by Jonathan. 500 euros on offer to the charity of your choice if you can finish the breakfast along with professional eater uh, Randy Santel. Now, Randy was finishing the challenge in 2013 on the final day of his European tour. Yes, he does this on a tour. He did one the night before And he finished the challenge in uh, 46 minutes later. Let's have a quick listen to Randy in 2013 in Tony's Bistro, finishing the Godfather Challenge.
2: 47.02 is the official time. Previous record was two hours and ten minutes. That just got crushed. I got the meal free. Hopefully maybe a t-shirt, but uh, the biggest thing is the... 27 wins in 44 days, that will never be, nobody's dumb enough to ever try that. So uh, it's probably not going to happen again, but uh, I've had a great time. Thank you to Tony's Bistro for the awesome breakfast challenge, delicious, I loved the haggis I had in Scotland, loved all the black and white pudding here, I've had some awesome food, great time, I appreciate it, thanks for watching.
1: Now then, if you want to do the challenge, let's put the challenge up to you once again, shall we? Eight Horgans, Irish sausages, six smoked rashers, uh, six-ounce sirloin steak, four hash browns, four slices of Clonakilty black and white pudding. This is starting to sound like free food Wednesday. Two fried eggs, two scrambled eggs, two bowls of chips, three fried tomatoes, one bowl of baked beans, one bowl of sautéed mushrooms, one bowl of fried onion rings, six slices of toast three slices of soda bread, all washed down with a bucket of tea or coffee, a 2.5 hour uh, time limit, two and a half hours. Monster breakfast will cost you 29 95 but it's free if you finish it, because Randy Santel is in town, uh, Jonathan and the gang at Tony's uh, Bistro will give €500 Euros to the charity of your choice. Do we have an acceptor for the challenge? Let's wait and see. Now, I mentioned the strange food combinations, and please feel free uh, to call us on 0818 or on 086 by text or WhatsApp, 086 Eight no point in denying it. We all have our strange and unusual food combinations. Uh, the thought of eating avocado with sriracha sauce, dipping fries into milkshakes. People do that. Or even the thought, and we had some this morning. I'm going to reserve judgment uh, for a moment on the tato fizzy cola the brand new tato fizzy cola crisps might make some recoil but anyway Seamus took to the streets uh, to discover Cork's weirdest likes and food combinations I
8: like avocado and tomatoes no chocolate and, and tato I think somebody said it one day and I tried it and I thought, yeah that's 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 lovely, very nice Hmm, chocolate, actually I, I haven't had it for ages I must try it again Chips and banana salad or is there chips and coleslaw
9: I wouldn't be
0: a fan of coleslaw, like,
8: what about you, mom? <laughs> I love coleslaw. Plain eater, plain Jane me.
9: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, there's a Greek one where it's like uh, feta cheese and honey, which is actually quite nice. You put it on a bap, um, and I think it's toasted. That's, that's actually, it sounds disgusting, but it's actually lovely. Um, I what do you think of me. Yeah, I had once uh, a fish and chips pizza, oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and
5: uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> suffered the next day a lot. <laughs>
13: The cream egg dipped in with chips would be my weird combination. <laughs> I know it's strange, but it's quite nice in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did
4: you discover that combination?
13: A uh, night out in college, <laughs> unfortunately. So, when we were in school, um, there was a girl one day. I was eating a cream egg. She threw some popcorn at me, and we, I ate it. So after that, it became a thing in our class
11: popcorn and cream eggs gorgeous I think chips and milkshakes chips chips into milkshakes <laughs> yes I, looked, I had a flatmate who had chips and ice cream as well it was a big pink yeah our ketchup on shepherd's pie
4: that's normal oh. And <laughs> so, there any particular chip that they have to be pre- McDonald's, McDonald's
11: chips are good they're vanilla milkshakes so chocolate and chili yeah that I'd like that But that's normal enough I think I like um, chips and chocolate I do, yeah, yeah
12: but that's normal enough, is not Is it? Sure. Yeah. Just about that normal, so... <laughs> Latest and, and sugar on bread. Yeah, that's one thing. When I was a child, I had no other food in the breast. <laughs> 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 that's it. Plasma more, I'd say. Oh, potato and chocolate. That's, that's strange. That's pretty that's common,
4: common,
0: isn't, isn't it? I it? <laughs> suppose it's relatively common. Do you have any there, no? Going it, yeah. Jam and cheese that would be weird, would not it? Strawberry jam and cheddar cheese? I don't know. I don't know what. Todd, then, if you think all oh, this is normal,
13: <laughs> um, my favourite is avocado and sriracha sauce. That's kind of normal, I think. I don't know, is it? I can give an answer at home. I don't know. I love like ketchup with everything. <laughs>
4: Is that
13: weird? Like pasta and ketchup. Pizza and ketchup.
4: <laughs> there you go. Um, Noodles and bread. I'm
14: into uh, chocolate only. Eat a bit of chocolate. Fruit nuts That's it.
12: Uh, let me think. Bread mm-hmm. and milk mixed together and, you know, kind of made into kind of like a porridge. I, I sometimes I eat,
1: you know, like if you get a bagel and then you put tuna and then... Um, Tuna and eggs together, and, and avocados. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty nice sandwich, to be honest. But I, I wouldn't have too many like weird um, foods to eat. Okay, there you go. That's the strange selections. Some of them interesting, actually. Some of them we might want to even try. Natasha, good morning.
10: Good morning. How are
1: you? Very good. You've got one, have you? A bag of cheese and onion tatoes. What inside in it? With
13: plain digestive biscuits and raspberry ripple HB ice cream.
1: Did- Ice cream and potatoes.
13: Oh my god! You have to try it. It's unbelievable.
1: Potatoes, plain digestive biscuits, and raspberry I- ripple ice cream. So you pour them into a bowl. Yeah, do you? Like
13: crushed, crushed up all together and like mixed around. It's unreal.
1: So it's sort of like an eaten mess, is it?
13: Yeah, sort of. I suppose it kind of tastes kind of cheesecakey with a bit of an onion kick. I suppose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I used to love salt and vinegar crisps with the. Remember the old wagon wheels? Break up the wagon wheel and the salt and vinegar crisps. They were always lovely. Oh
13: yeah, I must try that.
1: <laughs> Anything else you've ever tried? Do you, do you know what's a, you know what's one of the nicest nachos you'd ever make? If you, if you get ordinary tortilla chips, not the cheesy or the spicy ones, just ordinary tortilla chips. Put Frank's hot sauce, the red one, not the wing one. Uh, the hot sauce. Yeah. Uh, drizzle that all over it. Uh, put some grated cheese on the top, microwave for one minute. It's my own personal invention. You'll absolutely love it. And and when Frank's Hot Sauce first away. came to town, uh, I, I mentioned how good it was to the local store and they started selling more and more and more of it. Um, and I was in uh, Kinsale last year and there was this super yacht in there, right? And uh, of course, uh, uh-huh. discretion is the order of the day. No no one knows who owns the, the yacht. It was go- undergoing major refurb in Italy and it stopped at Kinsale. And when it sailed away... Uh, the word was released, oh, that's the Frank's Hot Sauce family yacht. I said, you know something, I've contributed a lot to that from all the hot sauce that I bought. Anything else you like?
13: Um, No, not really. That's probably the most random thing, really.
1: Okay, your calls and comments are welcome. We might even give away a family pass, actually, as we have a lot of them, uh, just as a little incentive to call in with your, your crazy food ideas. Thanks, Natasha.
13: Thank you so much. Thank Thanks. You. Cheers.
1: Bye-bye. Uh, bye bye. Kean Kean Good morning to you. Hello. Good morning, Neil. Okay, it's Mick, but doesn't matter. You eat uh, Tesco brand tortilla chips in haagen yeah? In haagen ice cream. Yep. Uh, which flavour?
12: Oh, I can't remember. It's uh, quite a few years gone
1: by now. <laughs> uh, it's. It doesn't sound appealing. It sounds quite strange, but it's often the uh, you know it's it's often the strange combinations that make. The most palatable and enjoyable uh, dishes. So, anything else you've ever tried?
12: Um, well, I can't. I can't lie to you and say that all my food experiments have been success stories. Um, I did a sriracha and pineapple one time, <laughs> and it didn't go the way I planned.
1: That now you're gonna now you're gonna reignite the old um, the old argument. Does pineapple belong on pizza? To me, it's a hundred percent
5: resounding yes. Oh, good. We're, you're a man of culture then.
1: <laughs> oh, I can tell you, my favorite pizza is uh, Luciano's in Glenmire uh, in with the uh, uh, peppers, pepperoni, and pineapple. Uh, oh, yeah. But not every place will do pineapple. There, there are some of the bigger chains that don't offer pineapple. I remember the Chicago Pizza Pie Factory in Dublin uh, went in for a meal one night and uh, uh, I want pineapple on that, please. What? I was nearly thrown out.
12: There was a lovely place out in Bandon called Padre that did lovely uh, gluten-free pizza, and they'd put pineapple on top as well. They're no longer around, but God, they were lovely.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of gluten-free pizza on offer now. I know you can get them in many, many places, and the, for celiacs, that's a that's a great boost because they kind of have to stay away from the bread and the the doughy kind of stuff, don't they? Yeah, that's where I am. Uh, okay, uh, and of course, uh, a friend of mine has uh, has a bakery as well um, uh, called Denise, and does fantastic. Uh, range which you find all over Cork uh, of uh, celiac uh, friendly gluten free uh, products, uh, Denise's Bakery uh, so best wishes to uh, her and to her hubby uh, Derek or Delboy uh, they're doing very well as well at the moment anything else Cian? Um No, uh,
12: just you know be careful, try new things um, we do silly things in our youth uh, luckily the tortillas and haagen worked out for me, I think it was the cookies <laughs> and cream one um, but yeah, just uh, don't play with
1: fire. Yeah, I'd love someone to try my one actually. The uh, tortillas, uh, the standard tortillas, a standard flavour with the Frank's hot sauce uh, and and the cheese over the top. One minute in the microwave. You can choose, by the way, to put the uh, the uh, cheese on first and the uh, the hot sauce over, or you do it the other way around, whichever you want. Thanks, a million, Keen. All right, take care, Mick. Okay, this one is going to turn a few people's stomachs. Hi, hi, Robert.
5: Morning, Mick. How are you?
1: <laughs> what do you like?
5: Uh, well, it's kind of a quirky one, all right. Um, a bile egg, obviously, right, bile egg, but with marmalade on toast. The marmalade and the egg, for some reason, goes unreal.
1: There's a few things I've never touched that could ever touch in my life. Marmalade is one of them. I just can't stand it.
5: <laughs> well, it's just something to do with the arms. I you know what it is, on the, on the toast. And with the bile egg, the running egg, oh, my God, make it unreal. The runny, A runny
1: egg?
5: Yeah. You can eat a boiled egg like boiled uh, egg, boiled egg. You, a boiled egg Not a hard have, boiled
1: egg but a boiled egg No, no, no
5: boiled egg yeah. and you have a marmalade and the toast orange marmalade and it's good they go beautiful together
1: That's nothing with a big gooey mess
5: <laughs> I know you're eating the egg like with a spoon obviously and you have the slice the toast in your hand with the marmalade on it
1: And, and uh, ha- uh, half it down the front of your shirt <laughs>
5: <laughs> Which i
1: hope bet Anything else you've ever, it, ever come across no,
5: yeah, uh, My wife though when she, she beats a bag of potatoes there I'm she goes very quiet like a child and I know, I know what she's after doing. She's after either uh, packet of rollers into the Tato's or uh, uh, Cadbury's, Cadbury's plain milk chocolate. Oh, Tato's and, t- and
1: chocolate much. is unbeatable.
5: Oh, really? You, oh, you,
1: you, you, it's you know what's nice as well? Uh, a- yeah. Any flavour of Tato's uh, to your taste with uh, either plain or the slightly sugary popcorn mixed in. Or you can, you can mix yeah. Tato's and peanuts very, very successfully.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. And there's another one there as well. Um, balsamic, balsamic vinegar over strawberries oh my god yep. serious yeah shake the sugar with the strawberries small bit of try it absolutely beautiful
1: wow you know something <laughs> if, if he's listening I'd say Gordon Ramsay is absolutely breaking it <laughs> we're uncovering some culinary delights here this morning thanks Robert <laughs> okay Nick bye thanks a million uh, Lorsey Lovey uh, I hope I got that right, uh, right today Lorsey
13: hi Nick how are you
1: Lorsey Lovey or Lovey
13: Lovie, (laughs) Lorsy, Lovie, Lorsy, Lovie. Is that your real name? It is not. No, Lauren is my real
1: name. I don't know why you picked that name. Lorsy, Lovie. Listen, it's it's great to get a bit of light-hearted banter. We've been covering some very serious topics over the last two weeks, yeah. And uh, we're going to play out as well with a very special guest. Sorry, Lorsy, Lorsy, Lovie. We're going to play out with a very special guest, uh, Cork rock star Mark Daly, uh, about eleven forty-five on Friday. Now, this one, um, because I'm not the marmalade fan, right, is just grotesque to me. Tell us all about it.
13: No, I haven't had this now in years, but when I was small, a corned beef and marmalade sandwich. Oh absolutely God. savage. A savage corned beef knock and marmalade
9: sandwich.
13: Like. Yeah, like I was listening to your previous caller there. I'm going home to have a bit of boiled egg and marmalade toast sandwich there in a the minute.
1: Well, I, I, anyone if anyone wants to try these and come on the air in the morning, we'll throw in a family pass for the best of them, Right. Uh, to uh, one of the fantastic uh, Explore Cock apps 850 places to go and all that Um, because uh, there is a bit of experimentation here. So you're going to try the boiled egg and marmalade. Uh, Will you come back and tell us about that in the morning Lorna?
13: I will and I was actually looking as well at the comments in in your Facebook post. Someone said um, they had black pudding and marmalade sandwich after after a few drinks like but can you
1: imagine that
13: like mm. <laughs> that would be unreal
1: actually i might try black pudding and jam that sounds like a pretty yeah. nice combination uh, the jam and cheese is brilliant uh, especially if you come in uh, you know the chipper's closed after or whatever yeah a
2: few scoops yeah.
1: yeah after a few scoops <laughs> now we we were trying fizzy cola tato around the office this morning i put up a picture of fizzy cola tato into the neil prandervil whatsapp group and um, the first question was are they are they real are they real come on uh, there,
13: I had them I, I strolled Seamus order.
1: with a packet this morning uh, proceeded to break his way into the breakfast show gave the three gang uh, their few tatoes all around the office um, not for me but there you yeah. go it's all according to taste I don't know where they That's came it. up with fizzy cola tato but there you go what did you think of them?
13: Um, they're fairly ranked to be honest with you <laughs> know like w- when you open the bag first and you have to, you get the whiff it does smell like fizzy cola sweets Um but no, they wouldn't be for me now either. Like, um, like I made a video on it, so I had to, you know, pretend that oh, they're lovely, but they're absolutely rank. No yeah. offense to Tazo, or well, No, oh, nice, no but offense to taito, just, but no, I, 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 um,
1: I just felt you had the kind of that aftertaste for about a half an hour yeah. afterwards.
13: Yeah, no, they're they're not great. now. but they did that before when they made they tried to make a chocolate bar with Tazo. Remember, and that was awful as well. Yeah, I, look, yeah, wouldn't be for me.
1: I, I know the Walkers and then whoever else are, are doing the crisps. They come up with all sorts of flavours. It's very hard to beat the Pringles uh, sour cream and onion though.
13: Yeah, that's true.
1: And that's the Pringled salt and vinegar are gorgeous too.
13: Yeah, I'd be partial to an old bag of Doritos myself as well.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> what, what, what are those things my kids eat? They're absolutely addictive. They're kind of uh, pretzels, the roundy pretzel sticks with chocolate. Fritz oh, yeah? or something like that.
13: Never heard of them, never, to be honest.
1: Oh, they're brilliant. You get them in, those, in, in, in the deals and in, in the economy stores. but I can't open oh. a packet without finishing it, but there you go. And <laughs> That's typical. Thanks, oh. Lorsy, Lovey. No problem. Take care. See you again. Cheers. Bye-bye. Oh. Billy. Hi, Billy. Hello. Okay, what, what culinary delight have you for us this morning? <laughs> well, uh, bread, butter, black corn
12: jam, and a few sausages.
1: Oh, can you imagine if you went into your local deli in the morning and said, uh, can I have a sausage sandwich, please? What do you want on that? <laughs>
12: <laughs> well, like you could do it yourself, can't you? After a black, black cordon sandwich and get your, your sausages. Yeah, it's. No problem. All the these only things thing are ma- worth
1: trying, by the way. They're all worth trying for everybody that's oh, there.
12: Oh, yeah. The only thing I don't like, Mike, and I have tried it, is potato sandwiches.
1: Potato oh, sandwiches right. are the staple diet of every travelling Irish person.
12: Not at all, my dear man.
1: <laughs> Taino sandwiches. Yeah, that's he what most him. Irish immigrants are. emigrants em- miss. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, what, Not at all. Well, what, if, if you were away from home for a long time, what would you miss the most? Well, would, the sausages. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, I, I do have to agree. There's nothing like an Irish sausage. Wherever you go in the yeah. world, I, you get chicken I sausages. I was in the UK last weekend or the weekend before, and it, it, you just couldn't get a nice sausage. I tell you, know,
12: chipolata sausages long ago, okay? Brilliant. Now, today, Horgan sausages, I, I, no, I'm probably advertising here, but they're
1: f- fantastic. Clannoch Hilty do a great sausage. Uh, I particularly oh, I, love the, uh, I think they're North Cork from either Hodgkin sausages, or Hodgkins. The they're lovely too, yeah. Yeah, they
12: are lovely. Yeah. Like I tried tried all kind of sausages, like, you know, and, but the and, Hodgin sausages are... They stand out big time
1: for me. Yeah, it's a little sort of a peppery taste to them, which is kind of unique. Yeah,
12: I've tried spicy sausages and all, you know. You go into the market there and you get all these different
1: sausages. I can't think the name. Oh, Flynn's 'Flynn's Gourmet Sausage Company.
12: That's it, that's it. I've tried all their sausages. They're all nice too, right?
1: Yeah, you get a good good selection of sausages in the marina market as well. If people are going out already in Black Market, I think there's one or two as well. Okay, yeah. so but bread, butter, blackcurrant jam and sausages yeah, in the morning. And sausages, yeah. Oh my God. And you won't have to eat in again until about four o'clock. Billy, thanks a million. <laughs> Thank you, Mick. Cheers. Okay, this is opening Bye. up quite, quite a vein of callers, actually. People are having some very, very weird things to offer us. Deirdre.
13: Hi.
1: Banana with curry.
13: Yeah, it's gorgeous. Really nice. But especially, like it goes with any curry, but especially Indian curry. So peak our corners or, or like that, you know?
1: Okay.
14: Very it,
13: nice.
1: it doesn't sound that off the wall, to, uh, the wall to me. It sounds like it could be very, very nice, actually.
13: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's lovely. And, like, we usually just put on the banana hole on the plate and then you just kind of take a bit of banana with a bit of the curry and a bit of the rice.
1: rice. Oh, would you chop the, the banana into the curry?
13: No, no, no. We leave it whole and just take a bit of it with the with the rice and curry, you know?
1: Yeah. Do you know what I love to put into a curry just as it's been served? People will probably... Turn away at this now. I love putting vinegar in curry. Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> the banana no, might work I'm... better. I'm happy to change. Yeah. Yeah,
13: yeah. Definitely try the banana.
1: Yeah. All Just right. Slowly. Let's take it let's take a couple more. Thanks, dear Banana with curry, yeah. especially an Indian curry, is a delight. Please keep the calls coming. It's very entertaining. O eight one eight one oh four one oh six by phone or O eight six eight one oh four one oh six by text or WhatsApp. Let's take a couple more. John Joe, good morning to you, sir. Hi, John Joe. Oh, hello. How are you getting on? You well. Very good. Very good. Now, here we go. You you're going to offer us a chocolate muffin this morning. I'm starving now, so this is really affecting me. Uh, yeah. cho- chocolate muffin with a special ingredient. What is the special ingredient?
0: Uh, a bit of mayonnaise. My God. <laughs> and it uh, it all happened by. Uh by default, a couple of years ago, I was at a party down in the house, a friend of mine down in y'all, and they had the dinner, we'll say, like, and there was, uh, they just came out, and there was tart and cream, like, you know. And next thing, there was chocolate muffins there, and I thought, I thought it was cream that was on the plate, like, you know. It was mayonnaise? I, it, was, I, it was mayonnaise. I like, was a dollop of mayonnaise on the muffin thing, it was cream. And of course, everybody was okay with me and laughing with me, but so I keep this going now. It was actually delicious, like, you know. So, so you, didn't, was, you didn't
1: have any trouble eating it anyway.
0: No, it sounds gross-like, but it actually, it's actually lovely. I tell people this story, they think I'm a bit mad, but um, it was really nice, like, you know.
1: Chocolate uh, muffin but, with
0: uh, mayonnaise. Yeah, try it. <laughs> no, thanks. Uh, anything else you've ever come across in your life? Oh, I, just, I can remember my, my, my dad would, um, he's gone now, but he would actually eat a raw sausage out of, out of a out of the fridge, like, and you know, if it was peckish. <laughs> a raw sausage, <laughs> is that healthy? Well, see, the meat is already cooked, like, apparently, you know. Uh, you, so you just like, heating like, it up, like, like pudding. Like pudding, the meat is already cooked in the black pudding. Like you just heating it up, like you you
2: know. Would but you eat uh, raw black pudding?
0: I would, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, delicious. It's already boiled. It's already cooked, like you know. Okay. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, that's the things that I use to try like.
1: Okay, <laughs> I've, a, I've a particular aversion to sushi, but we uh, were brought to a sushi restaurant in, uh, in a recent travel, and uh, it, it was a really high class place, and. I got through about, I could safely say 60% was delicious, but the rest, you know, I was eating out of being polite.
0: Yeah, 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 no, I've never tried the sushi. you, know, let's uh, walk, you know, they have tried it, but uh, I must try it. But have a lash off the um, the muffin uh, with the mayonnaise until you want me to it. Oh, we'll be having a lash <laughs> off
1: loads of these uh, over the next 24 <laughs> hours. Thanks, John Joe. Bye, right, cheers. Uh, go on. Line four where Robert is waiting. Hi, Robert. Hello. Hello, Robert. Yeah, can you hear me? Well, we can't hear you. Tell you what, I'll take a quick commercial break and we'll try and get you back.
2: The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818 104 106. And just watching on the rolling
1: news there that the, uh, the perpetrator of the murders in uh, Chicago, uh, in that very, very swanky area, by the way, that's where uh, Home Alone was made, Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was made. It's one of those type of uh, neighbourhoods. Claims that he wore, uh, he dressed as a woman to uh, hide facial tattoos that might have uh, uh, led authorities to recognise him. He has a beard. Or maybe he just has a beard in the pictures they're showing of. Maybe it's only a stock photo. Anyway I digress. We're on lighter things and on lighter things we'll stay. Robert, I hope we have a better line for you. Hi there. Hello. Hi, that's much better. Now, what's unreal for you then? Well, it has to be salt and ketchup
14: on pancakes. Salt and ketchup
1: on uh, pancakes. Uh, yeah. Is the salt important?
14: Absolutely, yeah. What if they, about sh- um, what they- say, no can't do sugar. No, sh- if there's sugar, I walk away. What about Nutella? That kind of thing? No, 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 no. Salt, ketchup. That's it. Nice and simple. Salt and ketchup. That doesn't
1: yeah, sound very appealing. Ketchup. Any other recommendations for the Cork public?
14: Fig roll sandwiches. Oh,
1: <laughs> a fig roll sandwich.
14: Yeah, I used to eat them when I was younger, and they were delicious. And anything in them? No, just a well butter, yeah. And well, butter, butter is delicious anyway, so yeah. Butter, fig rolls, um, fig rolls, and then roll it over and eat it. Or um, when you get pancakes, then no lemon juice or no sugar or nothing like that, just salt and ketchup, and off you go. And that's what you do on Shrove Tuesday, is it? That's exactly what I do on Shrove Tuesday. Unreal. And, you know, look, but, yeah, but I have to do it on my own because nobody can watch me doing it.
1: I, I can imagine. They're all having their their sugar and lemon and jam and Nutella and sprinkles and you're having salt and ketchup.
14: Yeah, well, the irony of it is I can't watch them put sugar on it. I'm like, nah, turns yeah. my
1: stomach. And, and people love their or, different ranges of ketchup as well. They kind of stick to one. For me, if, if it's brown sauce, it has to be chef. We grew up with chef. Uh, so I yeah, can't, well,
14: if, I
1: can't do anything. Can't do the KP to ones.
14: Sorry. Has to be Heinz. Has to be Heinz on red. Yeah. So
1: Heinz for the red sauce, is it?
14: Heinz for the red sauce. Any mayonnaise is fine. That won't bother me. Any brand, but when it comes to red sauce, it has to be Heinz. Mm.
1: When it comes to mayonnaise, the chef, the
14: chef is too spicy
1: for me. Well, when, ha- when it comes to mayonnaise, I have to say I prefer the uh, the little and Aldi brands, but that's just another personal uh, personal taste, you know.
14: I don't mind the bats actually. When it comes to when it comes to mayonnaise, it's fine. I don't mind. I don't mind changing brands for that. But when it's ketchup, it has to be Heinz. and the salt, well, that's for, and from anywhere. Okay.
1: Robert, you're a star. Thanks, a million. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Well, I've got a Bye-bye. couple of more to go, and uh, they may be uh, palatable. They may be disgusting to you, but they are very, very entertaining. Eleanor, good morning.
11: Good morning, Mick.
1: Now this one, this one, I just can't go with. But tell tell the people what you love.
11: Well, I love the combination of creations, and that is, and um, Walkers cheese and onion Crisp and um, raspberry ripple ice cream and dairy milk chocolate all eaten at the one time all finished at the same time just love it
1: my god ok yeah, it, it, I, it doesn't I, I suppose in hindsight it doesn't sound as, as bad as it looks in text
11: oh it's just gorgeous it's, it's just a craving I get and also I have um, sugar and chips
1: <sighs> now that that's sacrilege now
11: no. has to be sold I, on chips. I remember years ago, I was out with my um, friend, and her father bought us um, just chips, a bowl, or a bowl of chips to eat, and he had a big fry up, and I was thinking, God, we're only just getting chips here. So I thought i spice up the chips, make the best of the, what I was getting to eat. So I started shaking the sugar on the chips, and my friend's father said, no, 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 stop, stop. stop. That's,
1: That's sugar, salt. not salt.
11: Yeah. No, I said, I know. <laughs> so I kept And it's, it's your
1: lifelong passion ever since. Whenever you get chips, uh, you sugar them up.
11: I love sugar on chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there, it was funny at the time because um, he thought that it was salt that I was overdoing it and thinking it was salt, you know. But yeah. it
1: was well, I guess you'd put a lot more sugar on chips if you liked that kind of thing than you would salt. Oh, very
11: much so, yeah. Loads of sugar, yeah, loads of sugar.
1: All right, Eleanor. <laughs> thanks a million. All right. That's a, these are all, most of these are new on me, and I thought I'd kind of weird taste. But uh, line one, we have Kate. Hi, Kate. Yeah. Hello, Kate. Hello. Okay, this is your granddad's favourite, is it? Yeah. Don't tell me it's a deep-fried Mars bar now or something. No,
11: banana, lemon curd and trout sandwich. Banana? Lemon curd and trout in a sandwich.
1: Oh my God, banana, lemon trout. Tr- trout is a sweet enough fish. Uh, yeah. But, and banana, I can, you know, trout and banana might be an interesting combination. Um, yeah. I hope Ballymaloo House are listening here. All these great suggestions. Um, And lemon curd. Oh, my God. How how are they going to go together at all? I don't know. And and then would would your granddad eat that right throughout his life, yeah? Yeah. All right. Kate, thanks a million. We have other suggestions. Now, thanks, Kate. And thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And we're going to get the Neil Prennival uh, production team to choose that, which was the best caller there and give away a family pass for either Michael Collins' house. They can have their choice. Spike Island, Camden Fort Mars, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Yall Clock Gate Tower vo- or the Voices of St. Mary's Tour at St. Mary's Collegiate College in Yall. This is all to uh, help launch the Explore Cork app. We have family passes to give away to explore Cork County on the Neil Prandeville Show uh, right throughout the summer. Over 850 places on the app with uh, things to see and do in Cork. Let's go to the texts for our uh, weird food combination and uh, let's see what other weird sort of concoctions people have come up with. Chocolate sprinkles with banana on fresh white bread. That's not too bad. Um, cheese with apricot jam. I wouldn't be a fan of apricot jam, but cheese and jam, yes, there is. That's a wonderful combination, cheese and jam. But don't heat it and toast it, or you'll burn the mouth of yourself. Uh, white bread with uh, peanut butter, uh, sambal or sriracha uh, sauce, thin sliced cucumber, dry fried onions. It's weird, but it's nice. Uh, my buddy Maria at work in CUH loves blackcurrant jam on her sausages for breaking. My son Ali dips his chips in Nutella. Uh, easy single on fresh bread with Meanies crisps. Pickled onions and tomato juice. Oh my god, that's, that's like a rotten bloody Mary. Uh, rashers on toast with marmalade and brown sauce together. Jam and cucumber in a white bread sandwich. Don't knock it till you try it. Sausage and strawberry jam. That seems to be the most popular one here. Beetroot and pineapple. I can imagine them possibly together in a wrap or something. Beetroot and pineapple, but together. And a buddy of mine loves to dip chocolate biscuits in chipper curry sauce. Is that weird or what? Uh, says Brian in East Cork.
2: Text the Neil Prenderville Show now 086-8104-106 Red FM.
1: One caller to take us to uh, news at 12 midday I see one of my favourite guitarists has uh, taken quite ill, collapsed on stage uh, one of the first guitarists I ever came across growing up actually, Carlos Santana he's been around about six decades playing music uh, has collapsed on stage and is doing well in hospital, I believe. Line 5 we have, and it's going to be a challenge for me to pronounce this name, Zeppelin Yuanu. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Zeppelin Ioannou, you are about to take up the challenge. I have to. Okay, you're a South African native. You've a heritage in Cyprus. You've got a big, big appetite, I heard. You're going to take on yeah. the challenge in Tony's Bistro against Randy Santel. and You're going to do it in aid of dogs for the disabled. You raise puppies, yeah. Zeppelin, do you?
12: Yeah, we've got Paris at the moment. Uh, she's a nine- nine-month-old chocolate lab, and she's going to be for bucks for the disabled. And, uh, yeah, we're raising her at the moment. And
1: you have a nine-year-old chocolate lab as well? No, nine-month-old. Oh, nine-month-old. Okay, so, okay. Uh, What's your Mm. tactic for victory here? This is a lot of food. Slow and steady. Slow and (laughs)
12: steady. You're going to be up against the
1: very fast Randy Santelli. Did it in 46 or 47 minutes uh, the last Mm. time. So you're a South African native, heritage in Cyprus. Uh, It's uh, it's a strange name, Zeppelin or Zeppelin. Zeppelin, like Led Zeppelin. Like Led Zeppelin, okay. Okay. And uh, you're going to take it on on Friday at 2.30. It's going to cost you twenty nine ninety five if you fail. But I tell you what, the Neil Prenderbilt Show will pick up that tab if you don't complete it, all right? I'm going to uh, give it my best. And if you win, we'll see if we can donate a little something as well to the cause, because it's no a very problem. good cause. So you're going to be there with the very world-famous Randy Santel uh, on Friday. We wish you all the very best. Thank you, Zeppelin. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks, my Thank boy. The Neil Prenderbilt Show this morning was produced by Kevin Galvin, Seamus Whelan and Clara Connor. We're back after news at 9 tomorrow morning. Have a great day.
0: This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.